Welcome to episode 44 of On Air, the Ohio Hockey Digest podcast. The Ohio Hockey Digest, the foremost location for hockey in Ohio, covering every level played from youth and high school to juniors, college, and pro. Articles written to keep the hockey community up to date on all happenings with hockey in Ohio. My name is Tim Sullivan. I'm joined by Jason Lewandowski, Scott Harrington, and producer Dan Humphrey. With On Air, we are bringing you fresh content and adding voices, names, and faces to interesting people making the Ohio hockey community better. This episode of the Ohio Hockey Digest On Air podcast is brought to you by Team Ohio. Time in the rink as a Team Ohio player is about more than competition. It's about seizing opportunities to grow as athletes, being a great teammate, and part of a community. That's why Team Ohio's premier Tier 2 hockey program welcomes youth players ages 5 to 18 years old to join the nationally lauded program. With reasonable fees, transparency, and athlete development that has prepped players for teams at all levels. Team Ohio is here to coach players for success, both on and off the ice. Go to TeamOhio.com to learn more. Well, boys, it's another week. That means another episode. Uh, I cannot wait to get into today's episode. Before we do that, we had a great talk with Northeastern University freshman forward Annie Fitzgerald uh, last week. Annie is from Shaker Heights and developed her game at Gilmore Academy for five years. She had a lot to say about her time at Gilmore and the transition from being a big fish in a small pond here in Ohio to transitioning to much a higher level of competition in the NCAA and at the different USA hockey development camps she had participated in over years. I, I, I re-listened to the podcast this week and when she was talking, and I know we talked about this last week, but when she was talking about her time at Gilmore. You know, we guys, we know she could have moved to the Pens Elite or whatever, a different program. She could have moved around, but she stayed there, uh, saw it through, and look at her. She's on the number one team in the nation right now. So congratulations to her. When you're when you're comfortable with who you're working with and and the setup around you, and it's still pushing you, I mean, there wasn't a real reason for her to leave. I mean, she, she's, she trusted that the path she was on was going to get her farther to the destination she wanted to get to. And, and obviously that worked and, and Annie's just her overall, I, I want to call it zest for life because she was just so excitable to talk to every story she was smiling about, even, even the ones about her injury, she was still smiling about that, knowing that she was close to a return. Um, I absolutely love the story, how she got left at the rest stop. I mean, the bus left her and she's running down the damn near running down the turnpike trying to get back in a bus. Um, just I, I like what you said that she was probably it was probably her fault, though, because she was getting too many snacks or something. Yes, I know. I know. Scouting report said she had good wheels. So she, <laughs> 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 she proved it there. Getting back on the bus. And nice. Nice job by you, Sully, with the callback to a previous episode with Mike Rupp, where he made that same point. You know, yeah, you don't have absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, this is like this. My mind's like a steel trap up here. Right. Exactly. Um, but no, it, it, it compared like using those two examples to discuss. And like you, Jay, you said, Jay, if you're comfortable with who's training you, who's coaching you on and off the ice, you don't need to jump around and hop around. Well, let's let's be realistic. Sometimes it isn't the person training you. It's the person being trained. Mm hmm. And it's, as we've spoke about many, many times on, on this show, is that too many people are too quick to point the finger outward and not point the finger inward. I mean, it's very difficult to have to explain to your player that they are the ones dropping the ball, not the person training them. 
Now, in fairness, sometimes you do need a different voice. I get that. However, look within first before you start pointing fingers and saying that somebody else is the problem. Yeah, absolutely. And and what I found interesting about one well, with this conversation, Annie just didn't move on to NCAA women's hockey. She just didn't go to any program. The Huskies are the number one team in the country. They won the Hockey East tournament last weekend, then found out on Sunday evening evening that they were the number one seed for the NCAA women's tournament. You know, we're going to keep an eye on the Huskies. Um, you know, hopefully she's able to get back in the lineup. Uh, I know that she skated uh, in, in contact practice last week. So we're, you know, we're hoping and wishing for her. Uh, this is really exciting stuff to have a Cleveland girl on the number one team ranked in the nation, women's hockey team NCAA, as they go in to play for a, a national tournament. And the women's tournament is in Erie this year. They're playing the whole thing uh, at a neutral site. So not is it at, the Otter, at the Otters Arena? Uh, Mercyhurst. Oh, at Mercyhurst. Okay. Yep. Merc- Mercyhurst is the host. Their team did not get in. But uh, so they're they're in as the, as you said, the number one seed and not a very far drive. If people want to go out there to catch some great women's hockey, the 15th, the 20th. Uh, Buckeyes, uh, OSU, by the way, number three seed. And they will play Northeastern's big rival, Boston College, in their first game. So maybe they can do the Huskies a favor and take uh, BC out. Are they letting fans in, Scott? Do you know? That I don't know. It's limited, I'm sure. Sure. Okay. Well, I, I, if they're going to let some fans in, that wouldn't be like you're right. If you can get a ticket or yep. two, that'd be some really good hockey. Yep. Absolutely. Really good hockey. Well, big show for us this week. Um, we're going to sit down with the executive director of the Ohio High School Athletic Association, Doug Ute, uh, to discuss a very eventful first six months on the job for him overall uh, and get into some of the successes and also some of the challenges facing high school hockey in Ohio. Uh, As you know, our listeners, uh, this has been a topic that we've discussed uh, as a forum on on this podcast. And, And now we have the opportunity to speak to the executive director of the Ohio High School Athletic Association and maybe just get some understanding. I think that's all people want is just some understanding. And I, and I, I really hope uh, that Doug uh, is going to be able to uh, shed some light to some questions there. Uh, we're also excited uh, to bring our listeners a discussion with the head coaches of all four district championship teams to recap their big wins over the weekend and look forward to the state tournament in Columbus coming up this weekend. But before we get to that, how was everyone's week, Danny? Uh, how's the dog feeling? And did we get the raccoon? Um, we did not get the raccoon, okay. so I'm gonna say I think we got the raccoon. It oh, just—it's in your house, just being quiet. <laughs> I don't know. Um, and the dog—dog's good. We took her. She got her, uh, her bandage off. Um, she has no toenail right now. Don't know if it's gonna grow back or not. So it looks kind of nasty. But other than that, she's. She's good to go. Very good, very good. Scott, what's up with you? Uh, had a good weekend. Went uh, watched some some playoff hockey on Saturday, and then uh, Sunday, Mrs. Ohio Hockey Digest and I went down to uh, the Asia Town <laughs> area and uh, did some shopping and went to uh, Superior Foe. No free ads. Uh, I was nice, nice little, oh, fantastic. We make we make foe in our Instapot, oh. and it's to die, it's it's unbelievable. It's okay. to die for. Yeah, it's unbelievable. I have never been down a superior foe, like you said, no free ads, but I heard it's good. 
It's really good. And I, they had uh, they, it was Vietnamese coffee. I saw this guy. He had it at his table, and I had to ask him what it was. They just it's like a, a drip thing, and they just put uh, carnation. What is it? The uh, condensed milk. Yeah. And they they put the espresso down into it, and then you put it over ice. And it's fantastic. It's really good. And I was wired till about three in the morning last night. <laughs> and then uh, just multitasking here. The trade deadline for the fantasy league was at 6 p.m. So I had a few irons in the fire, but nothing came through. Oh, Levy? Uh, not much, man. Just uh, living, loving, learning. Uh, good week. Uh, exemplary weekend. Uh, infer what you will. And uh, just happy that, that that we're still playing and, and uh, we're getting a chance to, uh, as fans of hockey, we're getting a chance to have the state final four this weekend. So looking forward to that. Awesome. How about, how about yourself? Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm with you. Uh, good week leading up to the weekend. And, uh, you know, was very excited about the weekend. And we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about that later in the podcast. But, um, you know, and then just – excited to be able to to coach our high school hockey team in the second week of March. That's always exciting. I came out of the rink today after practice and somebody goes, this is it. Cause it's, it's warm up here in Cleveland today. It's like 61 degrees. And this isn't hockey weather. I'm like, no, this is the best hockey weather. It's hockey weather in March and we're still playing. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, no, it's good. Uh, went out to a little volleyball tournament for my one daughter yesterday and uh, you know, they were hitting the ball around and hitting it. I don't, I gotta be honest with you. I, some of those girls at the, at the uh, older age, they hit the ball so damn hard. And and I give these girls a, a ton of credit. You know, my, my daughter's a, a, not a hitter. She's a, a defense specialist. She just gets low to the floor and just lets these balls just come ripping at her. And, and she's like, well, whatever, you know. Yeah. I'm like, forget that. Forget out, that, man. Out. So, so that's about it. That's about it. Well, now that the weather's changing, also we got to change the time coming up this weekend. Let's see what's happening in the news of the Ohio Hockey Digest. The playoffs are underway in the USPHL Premier Great Lakes Division. The Toledo Cherokee earned a first-round bye by virtue of their second-place finish in the division. They will go up against the Pittsburgh Vengeance in a best-of-three divisional semifinal series this weekend. Pittsburgh brought the return season of the Wooster Oilers to an end, sweeping them in two games. The Columbus Mavericks and Lake Erie Bighorns went to a third and deciding game at Ice House in Columbus on Sunday. The Mavs advanced with a 4-3 win, overcoming a hat-trick by Lake Erie's Zach Kent. The home team won all three games in that series. And over in the Midwest East Division, the Fort Wayne Spacemen swept the Midwest Blackbirds 6-1 and 6-0. They advanced to play the Chicago Cougars in the divisional semifinals. Rawr! As we announced right at the end of last week's podcast, former Cleveland Baron and Youngstown Phantom, Curtis Hall of Chagrin Falls, signed an entry-level contract with the Boston Bruins. Hall had been playing with the Bruins farm team in Providence, Rhode Island, on a minor league contract. He was injured in his first pro game and hasn't played since, but that did not deter Boston general manager Don Sweeney from signing his fourth-round pick from the 2018 NHL entry draft. On behalf of the Ohio Hockey Digest and the on-air podcast, we'd like to congratulate Curtis on his current and future success. The AAA Ohio Blue Jackets 18U team won the Mid-Am District Championship Sunday with a 2-0 win over the Pittsburgh Pens Elite. Team captain Cole Miller scored the winning goal and Michael Sochin 
posted the shutout. Head coach Daryl Noren breaks it down. Started out a little gloomy. We lost in a shootout uh, to Tri-State and um, played Cleveland. Came down to us and uh, Esmark. Uh, we needed a win in regulations to move on and uh, beat them two to one with about three minutes to go. We scored to go up two to one. So then uh, Pittsburgh uh, Penn's elite in the championship game. Killed off a huge uh, penalty with about four minutes to go. And uh, guys just, they, they weren't going to be denied. The Blue Jackets will now look forward to the national tournament in St. Louis, which doesn't begin until April 28th after it was pushed back to accommodate states that are behind schedule due to COVID. A lot of dead time here. we got to find some games and keep the momentum up. But uh, it's definitely my task here the next couple of days is to plan out what the next six, eight weeks will look like. The Blue Jackets lost in the championship game to the Penns Elite 4-0 in the 15-only age group. And Cleveland Barons 14U was also a runner-up in their age group, dropping the championship game 6-5 in overtime to the Penns Elite. A quick update on the NCAA postseason. Bowling Green finished tied for second place in the WCHA and as the number three seed will host Northern Michigan in a best-of-three quarterfinal series next weekend. The NCHC is going with a single elimination tournament at Ralph Engelstad Arena in Grand Forks, North Dakota. Miami drew the host, number one seed, University of North Dakota, in the first round. They will play Friday night at 7.30. The Big Ten is also holding a single elimination tournament at a neutral site Sunday through Tuesday on the campus of Notre Dame. Ohio State will play rival Michigan in the quarterfinals. The Wolverines, with three freshmen expected to go in the first round of the 2021 NHL draft, are ranked number seven in the country. And as we tape this podcast on Monday, the Mercyhurst Lakers are hosting Niagara University in a play-in game in the Atlantic Hockey Association Tournament. If the Lakers win, they will travel to Robert Morris for a West Division semifinal series next weekend. Let's see what's going on with the Cleveland Monsters in this week's Monsters Minute. The Cleveland Monsters swept the league-leading Chicago Wolves on the road over the weekend to move above 500 on the season. In a 4-3 shootout win on Friday, Matisse Kivlenix made 36 saves and stopped all three Chicago shootout attempts, while Tyler Angle scored on his first pro shot to spark a three-goal opening period for the Monsters. On Saturday, Kivlenic shined again with 42 saves on 43 shots to move to a perfect 3-0-0 on the year, while helping the Monsters to a 3-1 win over the Wolves. Adam Haluka and Angle both scored for the second consecutive game, while veteran defenseman Dylan Simpson picked up his second goal of the year. Cleveland's power play remained second best in the league, converting on 9 of 26 opportunities to open the year for a 34.6% clip. Trey Fix-Wolanski leads the team with 4 goals in the main advantage. The Monsters have moved up to 4th place in the Central Division ahead of this weekend's Friday night showdown against the Rochester Americans at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse. As of Tuesday night, Cleveland has its top two netminders back on the roster as Vanny Vavelainen returned to the club after a stint with the Blue Jackets that saw him make his NHL debut against Dallas on March 6th. The Monsters Minute is brought to you by the Ohio Hockey Project, Northeast Ohio's leader in player development and advancement. Take your training to the next level this offseason with the Ohio Hockey Project. The second period of this episode of the Ohio Hockey Digest on-air podcast is brought to you by the Ohio Hockey Project, Northeast Ohio's leader in player development and advancement. Take your training to the next level this offseason with the Ohio Hockey Project. Visit www.ohiohockeyproject.com to learn about spring drop-in sessions or to register for a summer league draft. Please welcome on-air Doug Ute. 
After spending the last 20 years as a school superintendent, our first guest became executive director of the Ohio High School Athletic Association on <coughs> September 8th, 2020, right at the beginning of the school year, and got fall sports underway in the midst of a global pandemic. We are now in the championship season for winter athletics and we'll see championships crowned in all sports. We really appreciate him taking the time out of what has to be a very hectic schedule at this time, but specifically this week. Please welcome on air from Clear Fork High School and Ashland University, Ohio High School Athletic Association Executive Director, Doug Oot. Welcome, Doug. Hey, thanks, Tim and Scott, everybody else. And talking about busy week, here we go. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> well, Sorry about we won't. That. We won't was, take too too much of your time, but we do. That was that it. was planned. I like it. I like it for the theatrics <laughs> yeah. of it. I like it. Stage, Production value. Yeah. Right on. Yeah. <laughs> Tim, did you call me? Is that you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Again, thanks for for joining us. Um, so I was trying to come up with a few questions, and and the first thing I thought of, I didn't even have a question. It was just the word uncertainty came to my mind as I thought about well, what you've gone through your first six months on the job. I mean. Uh, you know, it's a big job, obviously, and and the first six months, I'm sure, even during a normal time, would be would be hectic. But to be starting up during a pandemic, uh, there's no there's no playbook for how to do this, and you know everybody's looking for you to answers uh, to you for answers, and I'm sure you know there's every school's got a different situation, counties, the municipalities, the states giving you some information, but not everything you need. And everybody's looking to you for answers. How and where did you learn the leadership techniques that got you through this first six months? Well, first of all, I was a school superintendent 20 years. And, uh, you know, before that, my background, uh, you know, as a teacher and a coach, uh, and then a coach and athletic director and a high school principal, and the last 20 as superintendent. And, and uh, prior to that, you know, athletics were always a big, uh, part of my life. You talk about education-based athletics before the term was even out there, uh, way back in the late 70s, early 80s, when <clears throat> when I was a student and an athlete, uh, you know, just being around some good people that, you know, developed those leadership type of skills and, and those things. And, you know, <clears throat> you said it, Scott, you hit it right on. There's no playbook for this. And uh, I can remember about one year ago, uh, this weekend, um, I was sitting in my office in Newark, uh, as a school superintendent there and our girls basketball team had won the regional the Friday night before. And so uh, they never even got to the floor or to the arena because they weren't playing until Friday. But, you know, that when you say no playbook for that, uh, from that point on, it was total downhill for, for people at schools. And, you know, uh, I just learned and we, we did it at, at Newark when, you talk about kids not getting an opportunity to compete for that state championship that weekend. And, and then worse yet, 7,000 kids staying off your campus in April and May. Uh, coming back in June, I watched, uh, um, you know, how excited they were just to step back foot on, on at school, you know, back into that and be around their good coaches and good. There's are so many positive influences out there, as you guys know, with our coaches and our teachers and those type of things. And, and what was prom looking like or graduation, all those things. So, you know, sometimes I just step back and think, man, it's been a long year of, of uh, trying to give kids opportunities during this time and a lot of roadblocks out there. And, and the one thing I think we can all agree on 
what, what sports or I should say extracurriculars has given kids during this time is something to concentrate on other than the pandemic and then be around those good influences that we know are out there uh, with so many good coaches and those kind of things like that. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm worried to death about what this isolation has done for kids who aren't involved in things and what impact that's going to have for years to come. And, and so, you know, we as adults have had enough, you know, that way. And I can't imagine uh, being a, a student that way. So, you know, I guess we just, you know, pull the reins. And I, the number one thing we wanted to do starting in September was keep our kids playing and hopefully their parents could watch. Uh, and then now it's like, can we get some of the community members in to, to see what they're doing and, and those kind of things with, with the hockey tournament coming this weekend? Uh, you know, it's just it's really, really good that we, we can get them in an environment. It's not the main ice, but it, it's still a, a, a nice ice for them to skate on and play and, and that. So, uh, you know, we, we've been fortunate to, to have a governor and lieutenant governor and Department of Health that have worked with us to to put kids in these safe environments. Because let's face it, if, if, if we would have started, our events would have started spreading the virus, we wouldn't be even talking about this right now. And so it took a lot of coaches, ADs, and kids and, and their families to, to make this happen. So, uh, you know, we're grateful to be at the point we're in right now in Ohio. So with, with that, um, and you talked about if the virus would have been spreading, we probably wouldn't be here talking about this today. So what lessons, I mean, I know this is the Ohio Hockey uh, Digest podcast and it's, all, it's mainly focused on hockey, but let's, let's talk for a minute just about the whole spectrum of sports. What lessons were learned during the fall season and championship season that you were able to transfer to the planning of the winter indoor sports and now going into the spring sports? Yeah. Well, one of the things that, that was so important is we just kept stressing uh, to our folks from our reserver program that the governor was so adamant about to put that observer program in. It could come out and, and not enforce things, but work with our schools to say, this is, this is something you need to work on to provide that safe environment. And, and uh, you know, it's difficult in the fall as you look at some of these teams uh, and, and you're trying to keep kids socially distanced on a sideline when you know they're probably going to hop in a car together and drive home and spend a weekend together at the houses. But, but uh, you know, so, you know, I guess, uh, you know, I think, I think one of the things that I think our organization did and our, and our sports uh, did, it was a good platform to, to spread a message to people out there. Um, you know, Hey, we got to follow these rules. And I've been, I've been telling folks we're at a period of time where the, the governor has stretched that from 15 to 25 and 30% on outdoors and from a sporting analogy, uh, you know, you're talking at a timeout right now and, you, and you're telling your kids, so you're telling your communities, uh, we got a little lead here. Let's keep doing the things that got us to lead. Let's keep those masks on. Let's keep distanced and, and those type of things. And, and uh, you know, uh, so it's what we learned in the fall was really to work together as a team and trust each other and know that not every event's 100 uh, percent, but we need to keep spreading that message. Uh, and you know, you know, it was it was tricky uh, late November, early December, uh, with with the high numbers out there, and and uh, you know, one of the things that that I, I think strongly on uh, is, is that uh, you know everything we've done with this virus from a school district standpoint has been local decisions, and so if you wanted to take a pause, uh, you could take a pause, or if you wanted to keep playing, you could keep playing. It's a it's a local decision in the community, but. I think what worked for us well in the fall is to ease people's minds and say, if you want to take a pause, 
we'll still allow you to play after the tournament starts or you lose in a tournament to give those kids that opportunity uh, in a winter. And I think that helped people when they did pause a little bit to say, I'm still going to be able to get, uh, you know, my allotted number of wrestling or hockey or basketball or, or uh, uh, gymnastics, you know, we still gave them that opportunity to do that. And I think that worked for us. So they didn't have to really worry about that pause so much and knowing they had the opportunity to make it up. So I do have, a, I do have a question before we kind of really kind of focus more on the hockey side of it, but you're right during that November, December, you know, the holiday time when the numbers really started to spike. Um, and, and you just mentioned that, you know, for this whole, uh, it was, it's local decision. Did you guys ever during that, that time contemplate and say, we may have to step in and, and, and shut this down? Yeah, certainly did. Uh, my talks with the Lieutenant governor, uh, uh, certainly were that way to say, Hey, uh, we're in this with you. And I know you're in this with us. So if the governor decides to say, uh, let's take a pause and we'll support that uh, from that standpoint. And, and to be honest with you in late those the time period we're talking about, yeah, um, you know, I think we all thought, uh, boy, it's as, as bad as it looks here in early December after the holidays, it's going to look a lot worse. Mm-hmm. And, and I was wrong. My thinking was, Oh, it's, it's going to look a lot worse. So one of the things we were doing is talking about scenarios. So, uh, we wanted we wanted to commit ourselves to our winter sports athletes competing for a state tournament, and but not cheating the spring sports folks out because they got they lost that season last year. And so, you know, we talked about doing what we're doing right now, just carrying on. We talked about if we have to take a pause for a while, the shortened season, and then and then we also talked about March Madness, maybe come April Madness. And so we plan for all those different scenarios. No. Well, getting into the hockey realm of things, I guess, um, this is the ninth year of a 15-year contract between the OHSAA and Nationwide Arena, home of the Columbus Blue Jackets, to host the state hockey tournament. Could you talk to us about the partnership with the Blue Jackets and the positive impact that having an NHL franchise in the state has on growing the game? Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I will tell you that, that to me, a good teammate, a good partner, somebody that's there in difficult times. And I will tell you the Jackets – and Nationwide Arena, Mike, Get, Mike Gatto, Gatto uh, could not have worked harder in trying to give our kids that experience on the main ice or uh, uh, in that arena uh, down here. They were extremely helpful to us uh, during this process. We were in constant communication with them and uh, so much appreciate uh, their um, uh, willingness to, to get us in that venue at a, at a reduced cost this year, a COVID cost, as we, as we would say. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so you you said it there, Jason, uh, in terms of growing the game. You know, each sport we have, uh, we're talking about hockey. Uh, we've got a great organization like the Blue Jackets here. And, and you know, our goal is to help grow it, uh, every sport we have uh, and even grow uh, emerging sports. You know, that's what we want to do. And, and what better partner can you have than an NHL team that has that same mission uh, behind them to help uh, grow uh Youth sports uh, from from that standpoint. So we're 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 thrilled that we have, and and we would have if you know they they tried to give us a, a chance to play on the main ice, but we would have had to move the dates of the tournament. And there again, you worry about uh, impacting the spring sports uh, that we didn't have last year, and that was a big decision. And and uh, you know just keeping the tournament on tr- on track here, and and just moving it to the ice house. So the, as, as Jay mentioned there, the, we're in the ninth year of a 15 year contract with uh, nationwide. 
and that contract ends in 2027. Do, do you, what will the, what will be the discussion uh, from 2028 and beyond uh, about where the championship weekend will be? Uh, will, will you collect feedback from head coaches, athletic directors of the 80 or so schools that compete and to see what they feel or what they, their experience is? Yeah. R- Ronald Sayers does a great job for us run, running uh, the hockey uh, as our tournament manager for that. And, and we certainly reach out and get input from our coaches and, and uh, schools, member schools that participate in this and, and uh, find out how, how, how the experience is going. Another piece of that is this, what I talked about a little bit ago is we want to partner with the jackets and nationwide, uh, not just on that weekend that we have the state uh, playoffs. So, so what can we do out there to promote uh, youth soccer and, and get kids playing and, and, and truly, if you want to grow the sport, you know, you got to look at uh, areas that, that might not offer kids a chance to skate when they're young right now. And what can we do in some of the urban areas and, and, and around and other areas of the state that, that aren't, uh, that do not have a lot of participation right now. And so we want to partner with folks that way. And obviously we think we have a lot to offer an area when we come into it. Our platform is huge with the number of athletes and schools that we have coming into it. And, and uh, not just, you know, there's that school of thought to say, we got to keep everything centrally located or do we spread the wealth around the state at different venues? And, and so, uh, you know, in all our sports, we, we look at that and we're willing to have a conversation with uh, anybody. So we want to put our kids in the best environment, the best uh, skating rink that we can put them in. And nationwide is a great facility for that. Uh, but we also have to be mindful of, of the, uh, uh, revenue and expenses uh, piece of that too. Doug, have you guys ever thought about, um, <clears throat> obviously with the contract that it's not really a thought right now, but have you ever thought about moving it around the state? I know you just um, elaborate on, on bringing it to different uh, uh, platforms, I guess, or, or, or fan bases. And a thought of, you know, in years past, it used to be a Bowling Green and that's the college campus. It's a smaller venue. It can be quote unquote louder because it's a little bit tighter. You know, the fairgrounds is a loud venue. My uh, what's that uh, Goggin arena down at Miami is a loud venue. Have you guys thought about taking it to different venues that would help grow hockey in those areas? I know the Cincinnati area is, is growing, but it's not what Columbus is. And, and years ago, Columbus wasn't what Cleveland is. And, and now everything is starting to explode what are your thoughts that in moving that state tournament to give every fan base that atmosphere? Because in truth, the OHSA does put on a, a, a excellent product and they provide kids that this could be their last goal in their sport that they started when they were four. And this is going to be it. So giving them their quote unquote, Super Bowl is hugely important to the players, to the coaches, to all those that are involved in the sport. What, what would be a deterrent? I guess my question is what would be a deterrent from moving that venue around to give those areas that experience? Yeah. Well, good question, Jason. And there's no deterrent to that at all. I'll be perfectly honest with you. Um, we, the only conversations we've had about venues this year is if we couldn't get in a nationwide, where, oh, we, where could we go? hundred percent. Yes. Particularly, uh, um, you know, we knew we were going to have a tournament but we didn't know it could be at nationwide because of NHL rules and right. And those, those type of things like that. So we looked at other venues, Ronald worked very hard uh, that way. And, and, and with everything with COVID right now, that's not on the front burner for us uh, because we have such a long, long-term deal. And so 
maybe we look at saying, uh, how can we, you know, uh, at the qualifying rounds to get into uh, the state championship, how can we move that around and, and encourage that? But certainly when that contract's up, uh, the good Lord willing, uh, you know, I hope, hope I'm still here. And because we're doing that right now uh, in with other sports that contracts are up, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're looking at, uh, you know, football's up right now and, and uh, for next fall. And so those are the conversations we're, we're having. Do we move it around a little bit? Um, who can offer us the, the best uh, deal and the best environment for our kids, those type of things. And, and so absolutely have those discussions. How much uh, of, so we, it was moved from nationwide to, to ice house, uh, the practice sheet uh, right next door there. Um, how much of that was uh, influenced by the, so, and the blue jackets are playing a game that day. Uh, how much did that have to the the COVID restrictions that the NHL team has? How much did that have to do with it? And also the 11 a.m. face-off uh, for the championship game. How much was that? Yeah. For, first of all, um, uh, the, the 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 date that we're playing on and where we're playing uh, had everything to do with um, uh, the Blue Jackets playing because the NHL prohibits. In the past, we could have played in the afternoon. And, you know, I've heard, heard the stories and, and what, I mean, can you imagine being a high school hockey player and having NHL players stand around the, win, the, the window and the glass and watch you play, uh, you know, and they're playing that night. Uh, I think that, that is, that's, that would be awesome uh, from that standpoint, but uh, the NHL's uh, rules this year prohibit us from playing on the same day, no matter about cleaning or anything, you just couldn't do it. And that, that's where we would have to move it back Uh on, on down a week or so, uh, uh, the state finals. And we just felt like, you know, with, with these kids that are, are playing spring sports and everything they lost last year that, you know, we just didn't want to do that, uh, from that standpoint, because again, the ice house is a nice place to play too. And, and so, uh, but in terms of the time, Scott, I would have to tell you that <clears throat> I'll be very honest with you. Uh, I was not in on that conversation and, and that'd be a question for Ronald. Uh, so okay. I apologize for that, but, uh, yeah. And I know even, uh, there were previous, uh, time a year or two ago, I think there was a semifinal game on 11 AM on a Thursday guys, correct me if I'm wrong when they were playing at yeah. nationwide. Yeah. And that also was, I, I don't think there's any question that blue jackets are a great partner and having an NHL team is just fantastic. It impacts every level of the game and nationwide is a, a tremendous, facility i just don't know if it's the right one yeah. when you're going to have three or four thousand people in a twenty thousand seat arena yeah. um, there are other venues i think where you could have people hanging from the rafters and it would be a, a much more intimate rowdy uh fan experience that's not going to happen this year one way or the yeah. other but yeah and scott i agree with you 100 because we're having those conversations in some other sports to say if you go to a twenty thousand seat place and there's nine or ten thousand people in there uh, it kind of seems empty, but if you go to a 12 or 13,000 seat place with nine or 10,000, it's uh, the place is rocking and it's a great environment. And so I, I totally understand what, what you're saying there. And, and I'll, and I'll speak to this too. Uh, times have changed, uh, so to speak. And we've done a lot of Thursday, Friday, Saturday things, and we're exploring the Friday, Saturday, Sunday, uh, uh, type of things. And uh, matter of fact, our boys basketball tournament will be Friday, Saturday, Sunday, uh, this year in Dayton. 
Uh, the girls are Thursday, Friday, Saturday this weekend because Dayton hosts the Atlantic 10 championship uh, final uh, on Sunday. So it's not available or we would have moved it to Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It keeps kids in school uh, a little bit more. Uh, it allows, I think, two more fans the opportunity. Not, not a whole lot of people can take Thursday and Friday off during the day uh, and come and come watch this. Now, if you're if you're a parent, you'll make that sacrifice. But but so we we want to explore some different days and 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 uh, that's that's interesting too about the time uh, from that standpoint and and certainly have to uh, be be uh, aware of that also. But yeah, I, Thursdays to me have just uh, you know we've had such a decline in enrollment in all our sports or, or uh, spectators and and uh, so. Uh, I think some of it has to do with that Thursday day game. Yeah. And, and sometimes it's just, you know, the, if you're playing in an NHL arena where there's potentially going to be an NHL game going on, that's going to take precedence. Right. And yeah. I think, uh, you know, when you get down to the state tournament, you want that to be whatever venue you're in, you want that to be the biggest event that takes place in that, that facility yeah. that year. That's the yeah. one that everybody's going to circle and not want to miss. Have you guys been sitting in some of our meetings? It sure sounds like it. I mean, you got you got our office bugged in there. I was, I was yeah, going to ask if you listened to previous podcasts because we've had these discussions for a while now. And in, in regard to the, the the atmosphere created by an 11 a.m. game, isn't going to be the same as a 7 p.m. matinee yeah. where we are or the hockey community is the focal point yeah. of that day. Yeah. And it's a pain in the butt for obviously the kids get out of school early. As you, I mean, all the stuff that you touched on. And I just think that there is a better way to promote our sport. And I think that through constant communication, I think we can get to it. Well, uh, environment. I mean, that's what we're, we're want to put our kids in the best environment we can put them in. And, and I'll, I'll just tell you, um, I've noticed a difference from 15% or a hundred people in a gym mm. to 25%. And I was in a gym last Wednesday night where the first time I saw students in sections, social yeah. distance, mind you, I mean, there were rows in between them. But their peers coming in and watching them and some other community members and the place was juiced for two games. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and you're exactly right. And, and it made me feel good that walking out of there that night where finally these kids are getting rewarded and getting in some good environments. Uh, that seems like there's some energy in there. And, and so you're, you're, you guys are exactly right on the environment piece of that. You want to, especially a state, state finals, you want that place right. So, Doug, you, you were a district board yeah. member involved in the process of coming up with the competitive balance, which the OHSA implemented in 2014. So you understand the importance of maintaining a healthy level of competition in order for athletes to have a meaningful experience in high, high school athletics. Seven years later, how do you think the competitive balance process has worked for football and basketball and others? Yeah. Well, first of all, as a district board member, I, I did really – I wasn't on anything to develop that certainly had watched that process go and, and know about how that unfolded. And, and I would say to, to, to that, nothing's a hundred percent. There's, there's no way that it can hundred percent, you know, make, make everything uh, fair and, or whatever you want to call that. Uh, but it's better than, than, than we were before. And I think that again, this is a COVID thing because we've done nothing in our office, but COVID related things all year. It was kind of like a school superintendent, you know, I did nothing from March to uh, September that wasn't related to, to the virus. 
And so some of those things we've, we've got to start digging back into and, and looking at that and say, does it need tweaked again? Or what, what are the things can we do to, to uh, you know, continue to move forward with that? So uh, personally, I think it's been a success. Uh, is it 100%? Absolutely not. Uh, there are still, you know, thing, or, or examples you can give that it might not have worked, but there are a lot of examples that I, I think that, that certainly have, you know. And, and, you know, I think one of the things I hear a lot is, you know, people that – that have an issue with it, they look at say, well, this team dropped to, you know, maybe this team goes up, but this team drops down, you know, and everything kind of balances out and, and those kind of things. And, and our issue going forward now is uh, our EMAS count in Ohio. Uh, you know, it's going to take a couple of years for schools to balance this where I've, I've heard some districts, some urban districts are 30, 35% of the kids they, they've, they've lost touch with and, and haven't talked to them since March. And, and so, it's getting those EMAS numbers back in control where we feel comfortable with that. These are fair numbers in your district. Uh, and, and so that's an issue. That's a COVID issue that we've had uh, and will and we'll face, I think, for a couple of years yet. So what's, speaking of, of competitive balance, um, the discussion about splitting hockey into two divisions was really picking up steam uh, last year um, yeah, before you transitioned into your position. Uh, the coaches advisory board uh, for the Ohio High School Athletic Association hockey coaches uh, was behind it. And it sounded like your predecessor was in favor of it. And, and you just said it, you guys worked on nothing but COVID. And so we understand this and, and I, and we totally get that, but it's a question that I think our listeners might want to hear. Where, where does that stand right now? Yeah. Well, the first conversation I had about that was today with Ronald uh, Sayer about two divisions. And, and now I think we have 82 schools right now competing and so if you go two divisions, will that create more, a more competitive nature? Uh, will it help grow the sport? Uh, you know, uh, I know I saw some of the scores, you know, early on and, and it's, that's just not hockey. Mm-hmm. It's sports with four, four divisions. And, you know, you look at the first couple of rounds of basketball and you got some 97 to 11s with four divisions, you know, so, so the scores that way, you know, I, I don't know that that's a indicative of, of saying, hey, if we went two divisions, I wouldn't have those scores because I think you would, you know, that way. And, and again, you know, what, what balance do we have to create in our office? Uh, because <clears throat> there are other sports right now asking to go in another division. And what's the ripple effect of, of those type of things? And, and what is that number? You know, those are some questions and, and some discussions we have to have, and I'm glad. And I know it doesn't surprise me. Ronald's a good leader for us, and and Ronald, uh, you know, uh, what we would ask him in the office to do is, you know, work with the coaches association and come up, come up with some, uh, you know, suggestions, and and then we'll we'll move forward from there. Yeah, and I, I think, and you're right. You're going to get those lopsided scores no matter how many divisions you have. Yep. And I think one of the things that and when we did uh, talk to Ronald uh, a little bit, we talked about the way to grow the game or any game would be to give kids more opportunities. Right. So at this point, a lot of those kids understand that they don't have the opportunity to possibly move on in a state championship or even play in a, in a final four. So creating another division, you're right. You're still going to have those lopsided uh, numbers, but you're giving more kids an opportunity and it might, it might grow our sport even more since we talked about growth in the sport. So They had there was one Tuesday night at Brooklyn. There were three games. This was in the second round, and the the aggregate score was thirty two to nothing for, for the three games. 
I don't think they even played the third period probably. And there was actually a team that won their district tournament on Saturday. Uh, that, that was the first game. Their first three games were all the mercy rule was in effect for the three. That was the, yeah. all the way through until the district final. Um, and I know there's a lot of teams down in the Southwest. They, they started doing a, a tournament. Uh, they call it the pod tournament. They get all the teams that know they're going to get destroyed in the first round of the district tournament and they get together and play their own uh, invitational type thing after. And, you know, you just got to, you have to wonder, I don't, is there a magic number uh, in the OHSA bylaws for. Yeah, I I think it's, uh, I I briefly checked. I'm not sure if it's 250 schools in a sport before you break divisions or something along those lines, but don't, don't hold me to that. I, yeah. I think there is something there, but, but uh, again, you know, when you're talking about growth of sports, I, I totally understand what you're saying uh, from that standpoint. And, and uh, you know, but I think too, that kids, when you, when you talk about sports and everything uh, you know, uh, I was never on a team that won a state championship and I certainly learned a lot from athletics. So, you know, it's sure. not all about winning and losing uh, those kind of things, but, but I get it. You know, not, I mean, there are a number of schools in Ohio that have never even made it to the state uh, in basketball or football or something, you know, that way. And uh, so, you know, I don't know that that to grow, you have to win a state championship or or, or that. I think uh, as long as during the season you're putting in, you're putting, now if you're, if you're going through a season and you're scheduling teams like that and you're just getting killed, you know, 15 to nothing every night, uh, you know, if a lesson learned from football is that if you if you look at football in the state of Ohio, when when we consolidated our school districts in the late 50s and made made these school school districts uh, that started competing in the 60s, everybody in the county was about the same size because they divided everything up pretty much equal. And, and now, you know, by, by the, the uh, early 80s, some of those things started splitting away. And, and like, like the county I live in, I came as a high school principal to Marion, Marion County at Marion Elgin High School, and there are four county high schools, and uh, the the uh, highest number of kids was 1,600, and the lowest was 1,300. Now the highest is 2,300, and uh, the one that was 1,300 is below 700, and you're still in a league playing football, and you're getting beat 70 nothing. Well, when you're walking the halls and say, hey, Scott, man, you want to play football? Heavens to Betsy, No. I'm not going out there because you have low numbers and you're putting freshmen against seniors and, and it's just a, it's a bad, bad thing. And, and so there are some, some merit to, uh, to those kind of things that you're talking about. How about speaking of the football model, are there any other sports where not everybody qualifies for the district tournaments? Because I think another way of approaching it maybe is saying, okay, we're going to have a cutoff. And that, and just those teams that they might even be relieved <laughs> not to have to go get the shit kicked out of them in the district tournament. They can go play in one of these other things. And I don't think it's so much whether they have a shot at winning the state tournament. I think it's, I was talking to the coach at Beaver Creek a couple of weeks ago. And he said, you know, he was sick of having his kids crying after their last game as a senior, because they just got beat 14 to nothing. They just want to have a competitive game. Even if they're not going to, not everybody can win, obviously, but it's just, you know, creating a, you know, a competitive environment that they can finish with. Right. Well, uh, Scott, it's what we did this fall because of COVID. Everybody had an opportunity to play in the football playoffs or you could opt out. Mm. And 60, what, 61 or two teams opted out. 
And my old school where I was at 11 years, superintendent Newark, you know, they struggled uh, this year and they opted out of the, the, the playoffs and didn't play and then scheduled two or three games to end their season with teams that were in similar, a similar uh, situation. Uh, and instead of going and playing pick central and, and right. losing 70 to two or three or whatever. And, and so, yeah, I, I get that. So Doug, did, did that model, I mean, I know it was a COVID model, but did that seem to, to, were people happy about that model? And if so, is that a model that you guys would look at moving forward in football? Well, oddly enough, there's a, there's a few things. Number one, our coaches association is not in favor of that in football. Okay. And, and uh, so we did have conversations with them. Some schools liked it, some didn't. And then, it, and then it turned into, you know, from a school standpoint, if you're saying, Hey, I need that. You, you can't go week eight and playoffs because I need that extra gate to help fund my athletic department, you know, in football. And so there, there are different things like that, but there were some schools that certainly like that. Everybody got a chance to play in, a, in the playoff that wanted to. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, so, but, uh, we did have that conversation. And so I'm, I'm just going to be interested to see, you know, to, to actually uh, hear what your association has to say uh, about some of, some of these things you're talking about. And I know you've talked about it before and, and Ronald's uh, uh, been in, in that. So, yeah. Yep. Well, Hey Doug, I, I just want to, uh, I know Jason and, and Scott and I uh, really, really appreciate you taking the time out tonight, talking with us, um, you know, answering, you know, some questions that I'm sure you get asked all the time and maybe our listeners would, you know, got some clarity with some of that. Um, really, really appreciate it. I know you're busy, man. Uh, and uh, so thank you for coming on our podcast tonight and talking with us uh, just about some of the, the ins and outs uh, and details uh, within the Ohio High School Athletic Association. Yeah. Hey, thank you guys. I, I enjoyed the conversations. Quick half hour. Let's get on air with this year's Final four head coaches of the Ohio High School Athletic Association State Tournament. Okay, let's welcome to the on-air podcast from Toledo, St. Francis, winners of six of the last seven Sylvania District titles, Knights head coach Chris Varga, representing Upper Arlington, head coach of the back-to-back Blue Jacket Cup champion Golden Bears, Hamish Baird, and fresh off the district title, First district title in school history from Walsh Jesuit Welcome Warriors head coach Peter Caleri. And from the St. Edward Eagles Great Lakes Hockey League Coach of the Year, Tim Sullivan. Gentlemen, let's get let, let's get started and we'll go around the room. Uh Coach Baird, let's 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 speak, let's talk with you first and ask, can you give us a, a uh an, an overall uh synopsis of your season and and going in through the district finals? Absolutely. You know, uh we had a great year last year, so there were a lot of very high expectations. Uh, we lost 10 players, so we had a well, not really a reset because we retained so much of our talent, but uh, we did have some, um, some chemistry to build and some identity to, to find for our team. We struggled a little bit. We lost to some middle division teams uh, with, uh, with uh, Moeller and Berlin, but we, we intentionally gave ourselves a, a, a difficult schedule. And as we moved through the, the season, we really found ourselves um, getting better and better with every game. And, uh, you know, we, we ended up playing, I think we played St. Francis three times. Uh, we played Iggy twice, Gilmore twice, St. Ed's twice, played Ontario Liberty five times, I think. 
so, so we, we had a, a tough schedule all year and uh, it really, it really worked to our advantage because we found ourselves in a position where we could fight through some adversity, get back from, uh, you know, from having a, a, getting down on the score and getting back into the game um, on Tangy Liberty, as you probably know, uh, took us into a triple overtime in the Blue Jackets Cup and then into overtime in the districts. Uh, and, and that was a big learning experience for our boys. So it was really a good season. And I think that uh, that type of, of adversity that we faced helped us to overcome some of these challenges and, and get to where we are now. When we talked after the uh, Blue Jacket Cup win, you mentioned the uh, sense of unfinished business for some of the players after last year, 36-0 going into the district semifinal uh, and getting knocked out. This is definitely uh, the kids were were geared up to get back into the district playoffs this year. Absolutely. You know, they know what they did wrong and they, they worked hard this year to, to sort of rectify that and not look past these games and um, you know, we have to remember these are high school kids and uh, sometimes they, you know, they're, they, they, the past games, they're not as mature, but this year we really were able to, to pull things together. And, you know, we, we did face a lot of adversity going into triple overtime with Olentangy Liberty was, it was a real nail biter. And then this game against St. Charles that we won just on Sunday, uh, you know, they kept us on our heels almost the whole game. I mean, they crashed the net, we crashed the net, it was back and forth. Um, and, and our boys came out on top because they just continued to battle and they never gave up and they never gave up hope. And, and that's something that, that, uh, I'm really proud of for them. And, and, you know, they, it, the room is tighter than it ever has been. Uh, our, our players know that they can't get through this as individuals and, uh, they've, they've really leaned on each other and made sure that they held each other accountable this year. And I think that's the, that was the real difference um, between this year and last, last year, although maybe we aren't quite as deep as we were. And how many of those players uh, are, are returning to this team this year? Uh, we had 10. So we had 10 new yeah. players and 10 re returning players. But we, like I said, we did retain a lot of top talent. Coach Caleri, congratulations on the first district title in school history. Uh, you're on the clock. Let's talk about your season and uh, run into the district final. Well, um, I guess I'd start by saying, you know, I'm, am I surprised we're here? A little bit. And that's mainly because I wasn't even sure we were going to have a season this year. And, and uh, you know, once we did, you know, look like we were going to play hockey, they closed our rink down. So now we have a schedule with nowhere to play. And, um, you know, and, 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 and then thinking about it, you know, maybe – Maybe that was a little bit of a blessing in disguise and, and the fact that we had no choice but to uh, pull together and uh, overcome. And uh, so, you know, we're practicing uh, at the pond, which is way out on the east side on Mondays. We're practicing at uh, uh, Strongsville on Thursdays, you know, one less practice per week. And, um, you know, it's, it's really it's really just a credit to, to, to our guys, the team and, and how they, you know, persevered through the whole thing. The Walsh and, Jesuit road warriors. Yeah. yeah, well, exactly. And, uh, you know, we, we lucked out and we lucked out in that. Um, I was able to reschedule our games on this, at least the same day. Um, albeit sometimes at different times of the day at Strongsville. So we were able to, 
you know, kind of keep our schedule, but you know, every week somebody would go on quarantine and you had to find a replacement. Uh, um, and it's just, you know, everything just kind of fell into place. And, and uh, so, you know, we're, we're obviously excited to be where we're at and looking forward to the challenges that are coming. That's great. And the boys must really appreciate, I hope the fact that it's the first district title in school history. Yeah, I mean, they really do. And, you know, we've, we've been close a couple of times. I think uh, we've made it to the district final three times in the past and you know, haven't been able to, to kind of uh, get over that hurdle. And, uh, um, you know, I'm just, uh, just happy to, that you know, we were able to get it done this year and, and see what we can do here at the next, uh, you know, next step. That's great. That's awesome. Thanks. I, I, I really like my job, so I better get to my boss, coach Sullivan, please talk <laughs> about your season and the run through the, the, uh, district finals. Well, first I, I would be, uh, remiss if I didn't congratulate the other three guys on here. And, and for me, I've been doing this a long time. And this is the first time that I've been able to uh, get down to the final four. So um, I, I know how I feel. And so congratulations to, to you gentlemen as well. Um, yeah. You know, I, I, I agree with, with a lot that the other coaches said, you know, it's it, Pete, I, I I'm going to uh, follow up with you said, we didn't know if we were going to have a season, right? So to be where we're at today, uh, is just astonishing. Now, I mean, our season was, you know, somewhat fairly uninterrupted, uh, which was good, but there's, Jay, as you know, there was a lot of work that we did off the ice as every other coach did in the state. Um, I, I think you guys would agree with me. This is probably one of the hardest years we've ever had to coach off the ice. And um, so, you know, good season. We got to play uh, uh, some games, not as many as we used to play. We didn't get to travel as, as, as everyone knows, but, you know, I was happy with the, uh, uh, competition we played. I was happy with the way that our boys, um, persevered through this different time, uh, you know, getting through the Cleveland cup and then, and then obviously making a, a run in the districts. And, and now here we are. And, you know, the one thing that, that, uh, I told our guys, um, is you got to enjoy it. You know, it's going to be, you know, hectic and, we're going to have COVID this and we're going to have restrictions on this, but let's enjoy it because for your seniors, you won't get a chance at this again. And for your, for our juniors uh, down, I mean, hell, it took me 19 years as a coach to get here. So we may not, we may never be back. So just enjoy the ride uh, today. So, um, you know, it was, it was interesting year, but so far so good. That's great. Coach Varga. Yes, sir. So, Sully brought up the fact of the, the COVID uh, problems and the COVID uh, trials and tribulations you had to go through. You know better than anyone else being in this position last year and the whole tournament getting shut down. Uh, talk us through, I mean, you, obviously you've been a guest on the podcast before and, and you went in, in great lengths as to what that was like for you and your group. Can you talk us through this season and going through this the uh, district finals? Well, this season started out without, you know, it was like a bang. Everything was set up. Everything was good. Uh, they basically told us that um, no parents or students will be at the games. And then all of a sudden they shut our rinks down. And then <laughs> we had to travel everywhere this year. I mean, I mean, the miles that we put on was unbelievable. I mean, we had to play in Cle 
Cleveland and Columbus and then go back down to Columbus, go back to Cleveland and then practice it, go back to, it was a mess. It just seemed like everything we were doing was two, three hours away. And, and uh, then they finally opened it up a little bit and uh, we lost a lot of games and we were trying to make up games. I was trying to play anybody. Uh, we played, you know, we had tournaments in Michigan and they were all shut down. And then we had teams in Michigan, they shut down. It was, it was, you know, like Coach Sully said, it, it 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 was a headache. And then all of a sudden, the kid would come down with COVID. Then we're shut down for 14 days. That happened twice to us. And then, you know, we're sitting there, you know, it, it, it was a lot of hoops. And yet we dodged a lot of bullets to get to this point, too. And, uh, you know, and I also want to say congratulations to the other three teams because this is a special thing. I have been down here before and it never gets old. And it's every time you do come down, it's just exciting. Like your first time. I mean, I'm proud of our team. I'm proud of the boys, the adversity, the hoops, the, you know, everything that comes with it. And the thing that really I respect the most is other teams reached out to us and, accepted our calls and wanted to play us and, and had no issues. And, uh, you know, rinks 15 minutes before kids are trying to get dressed and, you know, you don't talk to the boys and you're just like, Hey, let's put on the gear and let's go out and let's do what we can do and take it from there. And, uh, that's how we played a lot of our games. And then, uh, it was kind of from the hip, so to speak. And then we'd go to practice and say, okay, we're going to play St. Ed's this week. So, we're going to do this all of a sudden, you know, we got another game. We're prepared for St. Ed's and, oh, we got a game against Rocky river. Okay. Well, let's play that first. And then, then the kids are like, what are we doing? I'm like, I don't know. Let's go out and have fun. You know? So, you know, the, the kids, they are kids, the resilient and they just love the sport. And as you know, your kids, they're just great kids and they just want to play hockey in it. You know, I wish they would have loosened it up a little bit, but again, I don't get paid the big bucks as the governor does. So he has more, <laughs> more say than I do. I, I, I was, I, I want to, I think I said this on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, but I, I never thought in my preparing a practice plan when we were playing for the Cleveland cup, Pete, you, you were in the same tournament and, and actually you play out of Strongsville quite a bit, but Strongsville allows you in 15 minutes before game time. Right. And it's 15, right? Pete? Yeah. 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 Yes, sir. So, uh, All year. Yeah, our rank. Our, our rink at Winterhurst was a, they allow you in for practices a half hour before. Right. So I kept my kids in part of my practice plan was I kept our kids out of the building till 15 minutes before practice. And they had to rush their butts in there, get dressed. And we started right away and let's go. And I'm like, I cannot believe we're practicing this right now. Like yeah. this is insane. Well, we couldn't, we couldn't even get dressed in our locker room. We couldn't, we have our own locker room. We couldn't get dressed. We had to split up. We had to have, you know, 10 guys here and 10 guys there. And then the, you know, you got to have the mask on and then all of a sudden you're running practice and you got to make sure they're spread out. And then all of a sudden Tamil just shut the doors and I'm thinking, what did we do wrong? But it wasn't us, but it was just, it was hectic. You're running a practice, but yet you can't, you know, there is contact and then you're afraid, you know, boy, is the school going to come down and tell us we can't do this or we can do this. And then can't leave your bags, can't shower, can't use the bathroom. I'm like, well, these kids have to go to the bathroom. What do we do? I mean, everybody's running outside next to a tree, basically. 
I'm like, this, this is crazy. It was just a crazy year that is or never will never will be again. I don't know how we can make a movie and other people that don't understand what we went through are going to watch it and say, this isn't real. There's no way this happened. And yet it did happen. Pete, how about how about it's uh, I'll just say it, I don't care. It's Strongsville as both teams stand outside, one team over there, one team over there, but 150 people walk in between you to go to open skate and don't oh, have yeah. masks on. Yeah, no problem there. <laughs> and, you know, listen, I played hockey in the 80s. If both teams were standing outside the front door within 10 feet of each other, who knows what I would have break you know, broke out back in back in the day, but uh you know, uh, and I, I keep running these things through my head. We go down and play Talawanda down at the University of Miami, and we're getting dressed in the parking deck. And as we're doing so, cars are just driving, you know, guys are down to their jocks and their cars are driving in and out, you know, and it's it's about 30 degrees out. It was, and yet, you know, they did it. Everybody did it. And, right. you know, you go into the ring, and then we go play. So yep. it was uh, just, some of the craziest things I, I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> well, I, I, I think you guys would agree with this comment, but you know, nothing good has come out of this virus. But maybe the love of the of of not just hockey, but the love of the extracurricular activities, the game, and and I see a lot of that with especially our guys. They just okay, we we're not allowed in fifteen minutes or a half hour. Okay, but do we get to play? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Whatever you need us to do. And, the, and I agree. That's the biggest thing, Coach. Are we going to play? We're going to play. That's all they wanted to do is, is play. Yeah. That, yeah. that was going to be my question. With you know, obviously you guys are creatures of habit, and your schedules are set usually by June, and so you're going into your summer already knowing that in December you're going to be here, there, and wherever. How do you think your players handled the fact that there was a hundred percent uncertainty? every single day. And I mean, I, I've, I've heard from all of you and, and how, and even speaking with all you guys throughout the course of the year and how, how many hurdles you had to jump, but how do you feel your players handled that? And this is unprecedented. I mean, these are young kids that are resilient and they're used to things changing in a moment's notice. And in this technological age where, you know, everything is instantaneous and we get to find information right away. How are they able to get into somewhat of a rhythm? And obviously, they just wanted to play and, and we know that top to bottom but how do you feel all of your your players responded to this uncertainty which bird so uh actually our captains made a list they made a list of who they wanted to play they wanted to play Dayton Stealth they wanted to play Finley they wanted to play Bowling Green uh they wanted to make sure that we got we saw St. Ignatius which we ended up seeing twice and this was at the beginning of the season and we got all of them in except for Finley and uh, so it, it, it was, it was like, like all these guys have said, it was a, a challenge day by day. And you never knew when, when the school was going to call you and, and tell you, guess what? You're out. And, and luckily our, our, our group as a whole avoided it, but we lost two, three, four players at a time. Um, I had two players that lost two weeks, came back for three days and lost two weeks again. And, and, and I mean, and there's poor guys, right? Like they had to yeah. sit out and they, they sat out at a time when no one else was sitting out. So they really felt like they were sitting out. One of them was a senior. So uh, it, it was a, it was a 
a messed up year, but like all these guys said, I think, you know, it was a huge group effort from everything from the administrators to the coaches, to the, the parents, to the players, to ensure that, that we got, got uh, our season in. And, you know, we, we, I, I think that guy, everybody had a lot of fun and, and that's really what this is all about. Yeah. hundred percent. Coach Cleary, how about you? You know, so, uh, I guess two things. The, the first was we, we constantly just sent the little reminder that every single time we get to hit the ice, guys, it's a blessing. And you have to treat it as a gift. And because you really, we really did not know if today, right, it was our last day. We had, nobody knew. And, uh, um, you know, uh, and, and they, they, they grasped that idea. And, you know, essentially, all right, we got to get dressed in the parking deck. We'll get dressed in the parking deck. You know, we get to go in a couple minutes early. That, you know, that was like, uh, you know, checking into the Ritz Carlton. You got to get in the rink a half hour before game time. It was, it was fantastic. Yeah. But, uh, you know, and I think it is, I think it's a credit to, to all of these kids that they're resilient and, and they, they, they can, they can, you know, handle a little bit of adversity and maybe they need a little handholding along the way, but, you know, for the most part, um, you know, we got shut down right after one of our uh, biggest wins of the season and in our own Christmas tournament. And we had to sit out, you know, the, the, the next two games. And you know, that was a tough, you know, pill to swallow. But um, so, you know, the it, it really is. And, and, and we've got eight seniors this year. And, uh, you know, every single one of them is a leader. Um, you know, our, our captains, they held the ship together all the way along and, uh, you know, um, you know, basically didn't allow our, our guys to, to start making excuses or using this, the situation as a reason why you can't go out and just, you know, try your best and play your hardest. Yeah. Yeah. Coach how about you with all the shutdowns in the Tamo and how the boys just how do you feel the boys handled the whole, the whole year, the whole situation? Well, you know, there's a couple things here that really got me uh, going. The kids really wanted to play. Parents want to see their kids play. Then, you know, the thing that got me is I've never had so many zoom meetings in my life. <laughs> I've never had so many emails in my life about tickets and oh, why do they get four tickets and our team uh. gets two tickets and oh we got one ticket i need another ticket and we're begging borrowing i'm like well how many people go in the rink oh now we got to do live barn well no you got to have your own and, and i'm sitting there going why am i having a meeting about this i don't even care i just want the kids to play and then then all of a sudden you start to see it when it opened up a little bit that you know, the parents, we all been through it and we all have to deal with, you know, the highs and lows, but the parents really seem to be on board. They're upset with the tickets, but long as one of the parents could go in and see their kid and, and it seemed like it started to open up and the resilience of the kids were like, you know, I'm here. So let, let me do my job. And, you know, and I, some of these seniors, they, they asked me, Hey, uh, how are scouts watching this game? And it's up to us coaches to now get the word out because a lot of schools, a lot of well, all the pro have no scouts. I have all these buddies of mine that are out of a job. Of course, they all play in the NHL. And they don't really care about money. 
but you know, and I'm sitting there looking at my house going, "Mm, well, I think I need to keep making money. But, But the thing about it is, is I think it, the difference is we really got to do our work to get these kids to the next level, whether it's club hockey or D1, D3 or NHL, whatever it is. It, it, I mean, everybody has aspirations and they think they're going to go. And I keep telling them, go to school. You need to go to school because one day out of all these guys I just told you about that are scouts that don't worry about money, they're still working. They're still doing something. And you know what? It's, it's awesome to wake up every day and be a hockey coach. And these kids, I think, started to see the respect that us coaches and players started to form a bigger or better bond because we talked more because of the COVID and because of tickets. Normally, we don't talk about anything like this. We don't, right? you know, hey, eat right, sleep, drink water, do your job. Let's go home, win or lose. You know, now it's ticket. I mean, you're just got all these meetings <laughs> and, and I don't even work at the school. And I tell you what, this year, I finally got to meet most of the staff at the school. I, I've been here 14 years and I've never, I didn't even know 90% of the people at school. Now I know them. And now we got a Facebook or not our face, a FaceTime, or we got a zoom and you know, and we got meetings. You can't talk to a kid. Well, let's, you know, FaceTime on our phones and have a meeting kids. And so, and I didn't even know how to use any of this stuff before this year. So this is all new to me too. So I guess, I I guess I'm starting to get into the 21st, 22nd century. I don't know. Speaking about technology, coach Sullivan, how, uh, how how do you, how do you feel that the boys handled uh, all the adversity and things of that nature? Yeah. Well, I I want to say that I've taught in the classroom for 17 years and now I'm in administration and I am the worst technological person in the world. Like I got to, I don't me. know. I'm going to fight you on that one. I'm pretty <laughs> well, bad. Well, it's, it's not good, right? It's not good. Yeah. So there's a reason um, we have a producer for this show. Yeah. yeah. Dan Humphrey, I, Dan need, Humphrey. I need one of those for my home so I can get on. Where's he on? He's, he's, he's for hire. He's up in a the corner. In a, there you go. Hire. Well, I, I, you know, I'll say this and, and, and I want to kind of go back to the whole, like coach Varga, what you said about tickets and all that other stuff. I, I, I have a sophomore daughter in high school that made uh, the varsity volleyball team at her high school. And congrats. There was no, thank you. There was no live barn for volleyball, right? My wife and I, for her very first game, zero fans allowed her first varsity game. And my wife and I are sitting because she can't drive sitting in the parking lot. So when, when parents would call me and say, I need two extra tickets, I need this and that. I'm thinking, you are talking to the wrong guy, right? <laughs> right. You're talking to the wrong guy. Um, but those conversations that we had to have, and you're right. And all it, it was something that was completely out of our element. Cause we knew, normally don't have to have those conversations. Jay, to answer your question, I, I, I think our guys did a nice job of asking questions. Well, why can't we use the bathroom? <clears throat> well, because this facility doesn't allow you to use the bathroom, but, but I I think, I think what this has really done is it's really gotten our kids to, to get off their phone and get a little bit more asking questions. Well, why can't we go in 30 minutes before? Well, why can't we have three tickets? 
Well, you can't because this is this is the rationale behind it. Whether we believe it's right or wrong, you know. And I tell you what, they. I mean, Chris, I'm gonna I, I'm gonna use the Tamo as an example. I, you know, a lot of our kids now are watching everyone else's games through Live Barn, which they've never done before. Right. It's a great right? thing. It's a great. It's a great tool. thing. Great tool. And and I, and I get the question Saturday at our game in in Brooklyn. They're like, Coach, did you did you watch the game last night in Toledo? I mean, it looked like the place was packed. They had students with togas on. Why can't <laughs> we have a Why can't we have a student section? I'm like, listen, we are allowed this amount of tickets. Maybe Tamo's different. I don't know. Maybe the facility's bigger, and their 25 percent gets them to a higher number. I don't know. Oh, okay, that's probably what it is. So them asking questions, you know, is, is something that I thought I think is 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 good in this whole process, because if they weren't asking questions, then I would be concerned that they weren't engaged. Well, you know, and I'll, I'll do just so you guys know how we had a student section is, is we're allotted, I guess, two uh, tickets per player. And then they bumped it up uh, Thursday and said, you can get an extra two. And a lot of our parents donated them back to the school. Sure. So those kids yeah. could go. And one of my questions were to my kids, and I ask this every year at the end of the year before playoffs, why did you choose St. Francis? You know, don't, you know, take the school, you know, the education out. But really, what? why did you want to become a knight? And, and one of the kids spoke up really quick and goes, I want to play for my brothers. I want to play for my, my the guys I sit next to in class. And they tell me that, you know, uh, boy, you guys must be good. Are you any good? And in, and the kid said, yeah, I'm good, but they can't see that. So I think a lot of parents said, you know what, we're going to buy the tickets up and, you know, have a raffle at the school and 20 kids got to go. And I didn't, I had no idea they were doing toga. I don't know what that was all about. <laughs> then they threw an octopus right in the middle, right when we scored, I'm like, we have all the momentum. Now we got to five minute timeout for Northview to regroup. And I'm thinking this was not good. This is not a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, my, my, my point, my point was that in Europe, but my point to that is the kids, I think, that, I think our hockey players and, and uh, the other three guys, maybe, maybe you can agree or disagree with me, but I think our hockey players today because of COVID are more engaged in other hockey related, like watching, you know, your district or watching the Columbus district or, or watching Pete, your game on Friday night. I more of my kids have told me that they watched all these games. And I'm like, I would have never heard of that. Right. Yeah. I agree with you hundred percent. We do mm -hmm. the same yeah. thing. My kids say the same thing. I know. We're, I know in the Cleveland district, a lot of the guys were mad that they weren't allowed in to watch it live. So they right. turned around and yeah. said, Hey, are you watching this online right now? I mean, we were watching the Iggy game, you know, against Rocky River. We watched, we watched Walsh. We watched all you guys, and 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 it was funny because I kept going, "Well, how do you guys get on this? They don't have Live Barn. Oh yeah, they're streaming it through the." I'm like, "Boy, these kids really understand." <laughs> and I'm thinking, yeah. "Is this legal?" And I'm thinking, "Oh, we're gonna get in trouble. Something illegal." <laughs> I I don't even want to know. I'm just gonna go home. So I go home and I'm like, "I hey, please don't get in trouble, please." <laughs> yeah. So. But yeah, I agree with you, Sully. I mean, hundred percent. They, the communication is better because uh, they're not using their phones as much, and um, 
the questions. I mean, it's actually like adult conversations with high school kids. And I think they're going to grow up more of a man when they graduate because of this year and the adversity that they had to go through. I mean, this is, it was a challenging year and I'm just so thankful that all four of us teams can actually play. Cause last year that was just miserable. Cause you tell your kids, Hey, you know, you know, you had a good season if you win your last game. And if you can't play that last game and all four teams won last year to go play in the final four, they're like, coach, you said we would win something if we won our last game. And I'm like, well, I guess we're going to go for pizza. I mean, I don't, I don't know what to do. And that was frustrating. Last year was really frustrating. And, and a lot of the questions I'm getting is, you know, what took you to beat Northview or what took you to get to the next level or to win or whatever. And I'm like, these kids are still mad about last year. I mean, I mean, they're just sharks in the water right now, just waiting for blood. They're waiting to strike. And, you know, and it's not anything physical or anything like that. It was just they're half my team is still upset about last year that they didn't get a chance. And I'm not saying we would have won or lost. They just didn't get a chance to, you know, see the big rink. And a lot of kids on my team never been there to see nationwide. They don't know what it's about. Yeah. Yeah. I think it'd be fair to say though that you know I had this conversation with a couple of my seniors uh, uh, actually today, um, and I'm fortunate I, I get to at the school that I at St. Ed's where I worked you know we we we're in pods for lunches because we do lunch at the same time the entire school 980 boys so we're this year we're in pods of of groups and I I I get to be the advisor of my hockey pod right so it's just my hockey guys. And uh, they, uh, I had a couple of my seniors say to me, yeah, we'd like to play in the big rink, but we just want to play in the final four. So wherever. And I think all of our kids would, would, would agree with that. So. Well, in, 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 along those lines, we've been talking a lot about the district format and looking at it from the perspective of the teams further down the bracket that maybe don't have the same, chance of winning. I, I don't want to disrespect them, but does, do you guys think that, that, that the, the overall state tournament needs an overhaul? Do you think that it should go to two divisions? Do you think that the bracketing is, you know, we had a conversation with a, a, a team that we played this season and the guy asked us flat out, do you guys even like this game? Do you even like this game? Meaning it was a, it was a mercy rule game. I mean, what do you, what are your guys' thoughts on the overall district tournament, the overall state tournament, and and expound on it? Well, my, let, coach, let, let Coach Bart. He hasn't said a word. I don't even know if is he frozen. No, <laughs> no, no, because I keep seeing him smiling every once in a while. Oh, so I know okay, we're still okay. good. All right, Coach Bart, just please. I can't get a I can't get an edge in, a word in edgewise with you guys. <laughs> All right, I, I agree with. Well, you, you said, said enough. Said. Okay, so I'm going to answer it. <laughs> Go ahead, Hamish. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, I agree with everything you guys have said about about COVID and, and such. And you know, like I said, we were very fortunate. We did we didn't lose much of our season as a as a team. We lost individuals instead. But uh, that aside, um, you know, I, I, I do think that there are enough teams in Ohio now that that we could support two divisions. 
um, and make it a little bit more competitive and and uh, a little more there'd be more parity in, in the groups that that play each other, and and that gives these players that are in these teams that are still developing uh, an opportunity to um, showcase their skills and what they've been able to do in, with the season. I mean, it, it isn't it isn't fair for some of these you know Cincinnati teams to come up to to Columbus and, and play teams that have. Um, you know, long histories of, of putting together winning seasons. And uh, I, I would be very supportive of that. I think that that would help uh, help them develop their own teams. But we'd have to have some kind of uh, some kind of attrition where the lowest teams in the higher division fall down and the, the, the top teams in the lower division come up every year. So there have to be some kind of formula in, in, in play to, to ensure that that happens so that these these teams have something to fight for and some some skin in the game and something to, to look forward to in, in, in future seasons to work hard. Do you, that would be do, do, do you think that that going to a second division would help grow the game? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I really. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, whoever. All right, I'll go. So, you know, um, if you look at it from a perspective and I, and I think about this all the time. So I've, you know, I have three boys. Uh, uh, my oldest graduated two years ago. I have a freshman and I, and I think about this idea that, you know, for 99% of the players, right. Their last game, they're going to lose. And, uh, you know, it's, you know, it, it's one thing when you're when you're in the game and you're battling. It's I, I couldn't imagine what it's like. You know, you spend four years playing. I got to go against St. Ed's or, or you know St. Fred, whoever. And we we know immediately before we even you know get to the rink, we're gonna get killed tonight. And uh, you know, I don't know how that um, uh, you know helps these programs. You know get more players, you know, a little more excited or anything like that. So that's kind of a perspective that I always think about is, you know, when it's, when it's a senior's last game ever for most of them, right. At least, you know, um, you know, for, for, you know, the the guys on our team and everything, it's, you know, it it would be kind of almost disheartening if you will to, to know you're going to, okay, they're going to go to 11 and they're going to stop and then they're going to pass the puck around and um, it'll be over after two periods. So I think it'd be great. I think it'd be great for the game. And you don't know, you might get another few high schools to try to put together a startup team and, and, you know, get some, get some guys, uh, uh, some players and, and try to put a program together. One team that that had a great year this year was Avon. So they're in the white division, you know, on the greater Cleveland Lake. They had an exciting year. They won the Baron Cup, too, in overtime. They won, they actually won three straight overtime games. And their first two district games, they won in overtime. It's the best season they've ever had. They went as far in the tournament as they ever had. And I'm talking to Kyle Batos after the game, and he's excited and all that. But he's like, yeah, I guess we won the big prize because he knew what was coming in the next game. <laughs> yeah. And you know, and no disrespect to them. They had, a, like I said, it was the best season they've ever had. And then they get mercy rolled in their last game. And it's just, there's way too many of those in the third. There were mercy rule games in the third round of the tournament. It's just not how you should end your season or end your career for the seniors. It's just unfortunate. 
you know, I, well, I, I, I made a, uh, I made a, uh, a proposal. I did this little proposal up. And if we could have a system kind of like, and, and, and I, we don't have to use the my ranking or my hockey ranking, but a system like that, that at the 16th team mark, because if you just said, Scott, <clears throat> that there was teams getting mercy ruled in the third round, there's only four, like in our district, there's only four rounds. So at the 16th, like, so you ranked it like as, you know, you have all that stuff going on with, you know, scheduling, wins, loss, all that stuff. And like, kind of like how my hockey ranking does one through 16, you play in this division, 16 through whatever you play in this division. Now, my concern with that, when I, when I drafted this proposal, my concern with that is if you're 14 or 15 and let's say the cutoff would be, you know, February, whatever it may be first and you're 14 or 15 and you're, it's like late January do I want to be the 16th team or do I want to be the top team in the bottom? Yeah. So you take a dive. It's just like the, the draft, you know, football and right. baseball. And, and that's another thing. I don't know how, you know, how would you know if I pulled it where now I'm number one in the white division. And the problem I have, I, I agree with everybody what they're saying. The problem I have is hockey at St. Ed's, it's unbelievable. Number one, all oh, you get, that's all you hear. But then you talk about another sport where oh, it's actually, just, it's actually wrestling is all you hear about at St. Ed's. I'm just going to throw it out there. <laughs> well, I'm, throw that yeah, out there. I'm just saying my, my, my point is, okay, so they're division one, they're going to be in the red division or elite, whatever. And then all of a sudden their next sport, they're really bad. So now they're going to go here. So, my school is, you know, if we're division one, all the teams are going to go division one. And I don't know. And I think you're right. A lot of coaches or teams are going to take dives if it goes that way. And I, I'm not saying I'm, I'm for or against it. I'm actually for, I, I never heard about this proposal. I kind of like that top 16 teams go, you know, and then you have teams that, uh, Maybe the last couple of weeks they play, you know, all the top five teams in the state and they lose, but yet they're really good, you know, and, and then they run the show down there at the white division. I mean, it's just a headache, whatever, because we've been talking about, you know, Northwest hockey and, and Cleveland combining and then Cleveland and Cincinnati combining. And then I've heard, well, Columbus and Northwest hockey is going to combine and, and then Cleveland's big enough where they'll be alone. And then Cincinnati's going to drop. And I'm like, you guys all talk. But the thing is, you know, I agree. 99% of us are going to lose their last game. And, you know, these seniors coming in, that's what you hope they fight for is try to get the W. And, and I've been there and got, you know, put to the curb against top, top teams, top four teams. And we thought we were good. And, uh, there's times where I'm like, there's no way we're going to win this game. And then we win. So I don't, I, I think it's just such a gray area because it's all going to come down to, we have to form some kind of a, I don't know, a, a governing system to say, all right, each, each team, each bracket gets four teams to go in in the red division and the rest go in the white. And, and I, hopefully that works, 
because I really hate playing games that you win 10 nothing in the first period and you got to go back out there and you think the other coach is mad at you. And I'm like, I, you know, we dumped the puck in from center ice and went in. I, I don't know what I, I don't know what to say. I apologize. I never disrespect the game, but the biggest thing is I don't know, you know, that's what football teams do to our football team. They just run up the score. They don't take a knee in hockey. We dump the puck in and pass it around when the score's out because we know that we've all been mercy. I don't know if you coach has been mercy. I've been mercy and uh, I've had not some good teams at St. Francis, but you just got to keep hammering down. I don't know if it's going to draw more players. I really don't because I fight with Michigan and they all go up there to play triple a. I mean, if mm-hmm. I had the, if I had all those kids that are playing triple a right now, I wouldn't have the team I have right now. There's no way. There's like five, six kids that taking a heartbeat. But then when you start going through the adversity of the season, I would never trade these 20 kids, 22 kids. We have 22 uh, for any of those six kids, because these guys, you know, form the bond and brotherhood. And, you know, if we win great, if we lose great, they made it to the final four. And that was the biggest stress is to beat Northview to get there. Everything else is just a bonus. Well, you look at, you know, what, what we have in Cleveland with the, with the tier one team here and Columbus, you guys have the tier one team there. And so yeah. you guys have the tier one plus, plus the Michigan there. And, right. and so I know in conversations we've had here on this podcast and, and in Cleveland is, you know, every, every region or every district has their red, their white and their blue. And then some are just red and blue. Some are just red and white. And each league has their movement vehicle. So here in Cleveland, Greater Cleveland High School Hockey League has red, white, blue. Uh, the, the, the two gentlemen over here playing the Great, uh, Great Lakes Hockey League. If you're in the red division of wherever you are, you're division one. If you're in the blue division, you're in division two. It's how to split that white to make it two divisions. And a lot of the things in, in, in knowing you guys and knowing your programs, uh, we hear a lot in Cleveland, public, private. And oh, yeah, I, so I, do I, we. I find that, in my opinion, again, my opinions do not represent uh, Ohio Hockey Digest nor the On Air podcast. I find it asinine because no matter if you are public or private, you can uh, try to, lack of better terminology, recruit your own players. What are you willing to do? You need to go show love. Same as the private does. So with that being said, what are you guys' thoughts on that? I, I mean, obviously you have to feel the team and these players need to feel that love and they need a lot of these players and parents both want their kids and the kids want for themselves to play at the highest level possible. Well, if you're going into a game where you, as Scott mentioned, you, you're Avon and you played in the Baron Cup final and you win it or you played in the, in the uh, uh, Blue Jacket Cup or you, you played in whatever cup that is to solidify your city and the next night you're going to play one of the four of you guys, you know that's a losing battle. How do we make that better? Is it using your league and that movement vehicle to say which is one and two? Or does there need to be, a, as, as Sully said, a, a my hockey rankings were 16 or taken? I mean, what are, what are you guys' thoughts on that? 
Well, I have something to say about that because I'm the only public school in the final four here. Uh, there were there were four public schools in the week, in the eight, right? And mm-hmm. so so I agree with you. It's asinine. What a stupid thing to do to split it along private and public. Yes. Uh, I mean, if, down here in Columbus, we've got Orange of Liberty, unbelievable program. Jerome, unbelievable program. Look what they've been able to accomplish. Yeah. You know, and you're absolutely right. You showed the love. You know, I mean, the Columbus Blue Jackets was the best thing that happened for for mm. for the Columbus district. Yeah. No hands yes. down, no question about it. Yes. These guys stick around. They they help our our youth. Uh, uh, develop their hockey skills throughout their their uh, careers and so we've got some really phenomenal kids that have come out of public schools here st charles yeah they're great but you know gahanna uh or uh uh, the sales out of gahanna not so great (laughs) Columbus academy not so great sorry bars i didn't mean to throw that out there no i just want to know i just want to know how do you coach and always get NHL guys on your bench? <laughs> well, you know, we're, <laughs> we're, we're very inclusive. And then you want to talk private and public. I'm like, I, you know what? You're getting NHL guys. You're getting, you know, and I, I, you and I know each other for so long and we joke yeah. around all the time. And you know what? I never looked at it as a private or public. I look at, we're playing upper Arlington. Oh, we're playing Finley. I, yeah, I, we're playing St. Ed's. I, I don't care. We've won and lost against everybody in my career. I mean, oh. I've always told you, Hamish, how I, how mm-hmm. I, my formula and, and with you and Brett and, and. Can you share that with us? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> my, <laughs> Pete, Pete's like, share it with me. Well, <laughs> he, my, he just my, took out his pen. He's like, go ahead, share that. Okay. <laughs> my my formula is you uh, you know, you recruit, as I was told. I recruit, I cheat, I lied, and I'm the worst coach ever. <laughs> if you can get if you can get wow. past all that and still walk proud and 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 dust it off your shoulders, you're you're doing your job. I think, and, I think every one of us on the Zoom call has uh, have that on a resume. <laughs> that's what I'm, that's what I mean. And and I told him I go and I told like Brett last year when he was coaching with Hamish there, and I told him I said it doesn't matter about wins and losses. It's all about the end of the year. I mean, mm-hmm. it really. It, and and you can ask him off off air. I told him I said don't worry about your wins and loss record. I said just be ready when you know the battle starts, and that's middle of February. And that's, that's my formula. I mean, there's, I'm not telling you guys anything different. I'm not, I don't have any magic potion or anything. I mean, we just gear up. Oh, we lost against Eds. Oh, we lost against Ziggy. We lost, you know what? Let's learn from our losses. What did we do wrong? What beat us? And that's all I've done. That's it. But I agree. You're the only public school down there, Hamish, and you get NHL guys on your bench. I think it's great. I think it's great because <laughs> no matter what, no matter what, Kids respect that from you and they, and they look up to them guys. You know, when Clarkston came into our locker room and talked to our boys uh, when he was coaching there with Bill Beard and Bill Beard was the head coach, they took, and I offered one of my coaches to go help him, Derek uh, Kinsella. He moved down to Columbus. I'm like, Hey, take him. He's a great guy. He knows the hockey. Yeah. And you know what? I'm here to help anybody. I mean, it doesn't matter if you're public or private. I hate when people say, well, they're private. 
What does that mean? You, I, I don't know what that means. I'm, I still have to play you and you still have to play us. And that's, I think, the great thing that all of us coaches, we get along. I know during the game, you don't like my team, I don't like your team, but before and after, the respect is so high. And that's that's a great thing, and we're doing it all together. You know, I mean, there's going to – one of our four teams is going to, uh, you know, hoist the cup at, at the end. And I congratulate you. I mean, you deserve it. You went through it just like we did. And, and I, I, I get more satisfaction out of that seeing you guys do it. If I can't do it, I'm just so happy that one of my friends is hoisting and getting a ring. And that's, that's the bottom line. Couldn't agree more. Very well yeah. said. What, wait, that, hold on, that, hold on. That, that, well, hold yeah, on. The just rang the cash <laughs> machine. <laughs> you getting paid? You getting paid per, per word there, Varger? What? Oh, my gosh. That was unbelievable. So, that was perfect timing. So I got to tell you, my computer, I got to keep putting quarters in because I don't know what the hell I'm doing. <laughs> Are you are you gambling online right now while you're doing this? Come on, man. No, I'm not a gambler. Yeah, I'm no, I'm not gambling. I don't have that. That you imagine if I had that on my computer oh. phone, I'd be so in trouble. No, no, that was just my daughter Venmoing me. Oh, I love it. So, so we had uh, OHSAA executive director Doug Ute on before we let you four gentlemen in. So we had a nice conversation with him. Two of the main topics we want to discuss with him one we just talked about the going to multiple divisions and there's a lot to chew on there but the second one was if nationwide arena is the best venue for the state tournament so maybe Vargas, we start with you since you have some you've been down there a couple times what are your thoughts on that well ken hitchcock was a coach uh, a while ago for the uh, columbus blue jackets and uh, they had a game the next day and they wanted to use, I think they were playing, I don't know, uh, Edmonton Oilers. And uh, my good buddy, I actually got him the interview. Uh, he's the uh, physical therapist and got the job. He's a physical therapist for him. And uh, we were talking, him and I were talking. I introduced some of the players to our kids and Ken Hitchcock put our team in the mascot room where we're playing in the uh, finals or uh, semifinals and uh, against St. Ed's, St. Ed's beat us, but that's not the point. The point was they put us in the mascot room and we can only get like eight players at a time dressed. <laughs> and from that point on, I hated nationwide because everybody else got their own room, even though you had to take your bags away or maybe they stayed. I don't know. I've never liked nationwide because of that, because they disrespected one of the teams. I would never want you guys to go through what we did. And that was bad. And, and what was funny is they never cleaned it out. All the crap was in there. It was, and I'm like, you know, and you know, we couldn't put a table in there for our tape or whatever drinks or water, whatever. We had nothing. And uh, you know, we went back down there years later and they said, well, you have this room and it was just such a, you know, it's a great venue to play because it's an NHL rink. And that's just great for the kids to feel that. And I, I, I do like that. It's a great respect. But it really, if you ask any one of us, because we've been here since then, Mike Marciniak, Dyer, myself, because Dyer was actually a player, and he still talks about it. 
And it was just a joke. And I couldn't believe it because he saw me talking to a friend of mine on another team and they put us in there. And I've talked to Ken Hitchcock about it and he denies it all, but I know who really was behind that. So, you know, on one aspect, you want to play in the big rink, but you know what? At the end of the day, we had to bend so many rules and bend so many things and play all over the place. I'll, I'll play outside on a pond if that would make us, you know, play the <laughs> final four. I don't care. I, I don't, I think the kids are at this point where the adversity they had to go through, they just want to play. And like everybody said, it's just a great opportunity. So I know you guys might have different aspects and you guys haven't gone through that, but nationwide to me is, man, it's okay. I, I, just, I, I, I just, I just want to throw something at you. I'm sorry, Pete, and then, then you can have it, but it, I've never been there as a coach. I've heard a lot of stories like what you just said, Chris, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of my big things, and again, I'll play it, like you said, in my backyard rink, whatever, it doesn't matter. Right. But at some point we, and Lev asked the question to, uh, uh, to the commissioner, you know, when, when does hockey become the Super Bowl, like the football championship, like the basketball championship? Like, I mean, this year, one of the four of us, or two, I'm sorry, two of the four of us are going to be playing a state championship game at literally 10 o'clock in the morning. I know it says 11, but we got a time change that day. Oh, right. oh yeah, that's right. Don't, yeah. So it's going to be at 11 o'clock in the morning. I mean, that have you ever seen a state football championship at 11 o'clock in the morning? Nope. How about a state basketball? Nope. Right. I mean, so it, it, I, I don't care where I play it, and I don't want to sound like, oh, we, we need this, this, and this. But, I mean. That's for that's for, that's for a bigger thing. It's for the, the growth of the game. It's for the fact that these players, these kids, the, uh, 98% of them, this is it. Yeah. And you're going to put them yeah. in a the closet. You're going to make them duck their heads so that a professional athlete can walk by. You're going to do all this stuff that are, do you, do you not want these kids there? And and I'm not trying to disrespect the blue jacket organization. I'm not trying to disrespect the OHSAA, but they are, in my opinion, they are blatantly disrespecting our sport. So, so make a long story short, here's what, what, and you guys were on that zoom meeting yesterday so the Blue Jackets play at 5 p.m. on Championship Sunday. Mm-hmm. Two of us are going to be in that game at some point. Like, Pete, you, you guys play the 12 o'clock game against against Chris on Saturday, mm-hmm. so I'm not going to jump. Saturday. If one of the players for the Blue Jackets or the Stars, who they're playing, is getting treatment or whatever, that could delay your game because they mentioned yesterday you cannot go in <laughs> Until everybody's gone, yeah, and it's disinfected. What 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 if what if there's a player getting uh, treatment or whatever? Hamish, you you guys play out of that rink, so you we may do. know better than I do. So uh, you know, uh, honestly, I would I would love it for it to be at the ice house every year because it's my home rink and it gives me the home field advantage, right? But oh, trust uh, me, I know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, gear's already there. <laughs> so you better be I, I standing know. outside there, with me 30 minutes separation. before the game <laughs> <laughs> you and i better be standing outside yeah. at three o'clock together at, at tim hortons <laughs> i know 
Tim Hortons is closed now, though. Oh. What a travesty. What a yes. travesty. <laughs> no, I, I, I mean, I hear you guys. Like, it, it's a, it, you know, it's looked at as like some kind of privilege, but at the same time, I mean, it's, it's got its own restrictions, and that, that can be, you know, inconvenient. And I, I agree. I think that this needs to be played at a bigger venue. There's plenty of college arenas around that, that we wouldn't have to worry about all of this stuff. And uh, the, you know, the, the ice house, how they could say that a blue jacket could be getting, or a Dallas, you know, star could be getting therapy over at Nationwide Arena when the blue jacket is in an adjacent arena, which they, I mean, yeah, there are doors that connect, but come on, they're not over in the ice house at this point. So that, that's ridiculous that they would say that they could delay our game. Um, and that, that's not, that it doesn't even ring true to me. So I think, uh, but I think that it would be actually even a better experience for our boys if it rotated, right? Like Bowling Green could host it one year, Ohio State could host it one year, Miami could host it one year. There, there are plenty of venues around where where this could this could be a, a traveling, you know, state championship. And what what a what a neat thing that would be for not just our players, but for all the hockey fans in Ohio. The walleye, the walleye facility up in Toledo. Yeah. Perfect. You know, Cavelli in, in Youngstown. Yeah, it just. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. the one thing that gets me is when you play a nationwide arena and you have six thousand fans, it looks like three people are there. Yeah. <laughs> and I know I'm exaggerating, but you know the noise level rises up. It doesn't go across because it's a high building. When you play at Bowling Green and we have our, I think a lot of fifty people were there. It's louder with those 50 people than it is the 6,000. I know I'm exaggerating a little bit, but imagine if those 6,000 were all able to go to Bowling Green or Miami or, I don't know, Huntington Center or whatever. Those kids are going to think that's NHL. Most of these yeah. kids, that is their NHL. Yep. And you know what? I, I, I love that idea about traveling. Play, you know, play at the Ice House this year. That's great. Next year, University of Miami or – or whatever, Youngstown or Toledo, you know, it, it, it doesn't matter to me, but when you have a smaller venue seating wise and you can, you know, Echo quote in. unquote, pack it in, yeah. it would be unreal. That'd be great. I mean, those fans, that's all my kids wanted to play for was to score a goal and see the kids jump up and down. That was the first time this year that's ever happened. And that was against Northview. What about, what about at the uh, fairgrounds? That would that be was, perfect yeah. too. An old venue, an old barn. I mean, I will come down and power wash it free of charge. There you go. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I've been in there when it smells like the rodeo was there 10 minutes earlier. That's right. We'll be yeah. in the mascot room for everybody. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Sounding uh, great. Why are we going there? Why are we going there? No, no, I'm just I'm just joking with <laughs> I'm you. you. But you know what? I agree with you. I, I think that'd be a great thing because each I don't, I don't, I don't know how this is going to be worded or worded right, but each team in the final four kind of will have a home ice advantage, but it's always roaming. Yeah. So you know, this year is Columbus. Next year, you know, and that that's that, you know, Columbus they get to sleep in their own beds. Everybody else has you know all different things, and and I'm not making any excuses because we all go through it. But that would be fun. I just think for a fan aspect, that would be great. I mean, a uh, 4,000 seat venue like Bowling Green or 6,000 and you can put 3,500 in there and it's seating, you know, three quarters and 
that would be those kids would just thrive on it. Every one mm-hmm. of us four kid uh four teams kids would love that. Yeah. You know, you, you look at growing the game and you move it to the Cincinnati area at Miami, you you look at the Toledo area where you have Huntington Center or BG where it's been in the past, or you even go to Youngstown or you go to the fairgrounds, you go to Ohio state, they're getting a different atmosphere. You know, you look at, I know many of you have gone to the youth channels and you've played at say Notre Dame and and you've Mm -hmm. seen that, that atmosphere and that collegiate atmosphere that would just bolster numbers in the area. I'm not trying to compare it to say a, the, the, the rise in, in, in players for the 80 Olympic team. However, give that region the the atmosphere. And I think that's what, and coach, I know you, Varga, you, you spoke on having to be in the, uh, the uh, uh, mascot room. And I, I happened to be down there that, that same day. And I know you guys were able to be interviewed with a backdrop of uh, some signage and it was an NHL atmosphere. And that has since gone away. Yep, and if you're, start, if you're going to start taking that away, you're, you're lessening. And this has nothing to do with this year. This year is just an anomaly. And, and God bless the fact we're able to play this. But if you start taking that atmosphere away from these kids, this is they should be honored and they should be given some sort of, I don't know, lack of terminology. Give them some props for making it. That's all yeah. these kids want. But so, Jay, Jay, we're, Jay, we're the only sport in the state of Ohio that is restricted by someone else's decisions on our state tournament. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 100% agree with you. So it, and, and our again, state it, tournament is dependent on decisions made by not the state of Ohio. True. Right. And that's and, what and I, this, I, like I said, this is not a knock on, on nationwide, nor the Columbus blue jackets. Right. This is not a knock right. on the OH. Well, this is kind of a knock on the OHSA to be honest with you, is that if you don't want our sport to grow and you don't want our kids to feel that love, then why the hell do you have it? Basically I'm pushing to have my game at three, three, at three thirty pushed outside of Hamish's home rink. That's what I'm pushing for right now. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I so, want him. I want him sleeping. His, I want him sleeping in his own bed. Well, be comfortable. Yeah, I, man. <laughs> I, I, that might not be an advantage. I mean, <laughs> you know, that, that's one thing we really missed this year. Were all these tournaments where we could go and, and stay at a team. I mean, you want to talk about something these kids really? And, and sorry, I'm changing the subject, but that's all right. they, they really missed that this year. Like, think of the, all that camaraderie that we lost. They had to stay with their parents if we stayed overnight somewhere. You know, yeah. in past years, we get we get a whole floor of a hotel and, you know, they play video games till midnight until we finally turn the lights out on them. And there's no parental authority there, you know, except for the coaches. But yeah, uh, but and, and I, think, look at, I think we lost out on a lot of camaraderie this year. But uh, and, and I think that, you know, they go home at night. I got no control over them. If we're up somewhere else, you know, we can watch video until 10 p.m. And, and you talk strategy in a room and then we can send them out and give them 30 minutes to wind down and go to bed. And I, I think, uh, well, well, I'm very pleased that it's at the ice house because it is our, our home rink and it gives us a little bit of a home, home field advantage. I think uh, we did lose a lot this year because of that. Well, the biggest thing is like, we didn't have the Padua tournament and we're all there. How many mm-hmm. times have we just sat in the hallway waiting for the kids to get dressed and talk shop, talk yeah. hockey? Yeah. Oh boy, we just played St. Ed's. Well, how are they? You know, now, I mean, 
and then our friendship. I mean, I talked to Sully, yeah. hey, you know, he got the job last year. I'm like, hey, congratulations. I mean, you know, I didn't, I didn't have his number at the time. I couldn't say that, you know, and then all of a sudden, you know, I got your phone number because of that. And then we, we talk. I we keep it unlisted talk. for certain reasons. I know. <laughs> I know. I called you back today and you didn't answer. I went to somebody in Guam. So I'm like, well, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yes. yeah. You didn't, listen, you didn't call me back. I'm still waiting for father Z's numbers. Come on. Hey, I gave him everything. I told you, but, uh, <laughs> but the other, but the, the biggest thing is, you know, like the Hamish said, the camaraderie, I mean, just us coaches, we go to the hotel, we, you know, get a snack and a soda and we just talk about the old days when we played and boy, you remember that goal? And boy, was that a nice play by, you know, Ed's or Walsh or, you know, that was just unbelievable. And, and you got to talk about it now. There's nothing. It's just nothing. It's horrible. It is. And I agree with, you know, what Sully was saying. We didn't, you know, these kids made it to the final four. Look at all the other final fours in the championship games. They get the old, you know, the big spread, the, the, all the TV and all this. And here we are, we get a blip of like, you know, maybe a paragraph in the paper and that's about it. And it's like, Oh, okay. Sounds good. So do you guys, do you guys think it's going to take a, a coach's group to take the reins and and I don't want to say force the OHSA's hand, but that's what it's going to take. I mean, do you agree or disagree? Well, I agree to a point. And I disagree on the other hand because they, the OSHA or whatever signed a 10-year deal. Now we got nine years left and they want to extend it even longer. I don't know how we break that contract. Well, Doug, Doug, Doug Ute did say earlier that they would be willing to to listen uh in our in our uh interview with him he did say he'd be willing to listen scott am i right yeah oh that's no, i think that was in 20 for 2028 probably well yeah 2020 yeah. i mean he's, 20, they're not 20, breaking, 20, they're, 2027 is when the i have it right here the, last one's the contract goes through 2027 yeah they're not they're not exiting any anytime soon no but they would be willing to look uh into it after that with discussion from coaches, athletic directors, whatever it may be. Yeah, I so, think we need to rattle the cage and and put it on the front burner sooner rather than later. You know, when they start reopening that in 2025 or 2026, um, you know, the path of least resistance for them is to go right back to nationwide. Right, right. So, you know, I'm, I'm kind of the new guy on the block. And, and in fact, I didn't I didn't grow up in Ohio. So uh, but every other sport goes to Columbus for their championship high school. Is that, is that right? Normally? Well, I know the football for a long time was in Ma- uh, was in Canton. Oh, I can't in Maslin. Yeah. OK. I don't know where. It's so, at now. you know. Yeah. For whatever it's worth, you know, I think I think this idea of going to these college arenas is uh would be unbelievable. And I, you know, I don't know how many people the Ohio state, um, uh, arena holds, but you know, you go to Miami, I mean, that's a wonderful facility. They have lots of locker rooms, you know, everybody kind of, you know, you're not going to be in the boom closet, uh, or something like that. And, you know, I, I've been to the Cavelli center, but not for hockey. Uh, uh, that seems like a great place. Um, you know, certainly Bowling Green or, or something like that, but you know, that, I don't have any experience uh, with 
um, nationwide, but it sounds to me like when we used to take our youth teams up to the, um, the queue or whatever they call that place now. And, you know, you got to line up, you can't go in, you got to be checked, you know, and, uh, you know, it turns into me more of a hassle than it kind of was supposed to be fun. You know, the, it's a great the idea on paper. It's a great idea yeah. on paper. Yeah. Right. The hassle aspect outweighs the fun part of playing in a big league, you know, stadium with a big scoreboard and, you know, guys announcing your name and everything. But, uh, um, but as long as there's an NHL, you're sharing the rink with an NHL team and they have a game day, you're never going to be the priority. But, but, but hold on a second, Scott. It wasn't, wasn't, even, wasn't even game day. The state tournament years ago got moved or got altered with times because of a concert. Yeah, that was yeah. us. We were there. Oh, wow. Yeah. Bon Jovi, I believe it was. Yeah. John Bon Jovi. That's a big concert. No, but well, I mean, I'm, hey, listen, hey, I was, but, hey, listen, I was buying tickets for it, so I, I wasn't too bad about it, but whatever. <laughs> hey, you should, you should hear his rendition of uh, Living on a Prayer. It's fantastic. Uh, beautiful. But no, beautiful. Pete, Pete, you, Pete, you've played at, at the queue. I mean, you personally yeah. have skated at the queue. The sight lines are horrible yeah. because there's nobody there. There's nobody there. Yeah, and you know. And so the argument no, of, of we're playing no at NHL. Show... You can't. Yes. So, yeah, so you're you playing at NHL rink. Everything's black. You know, Every, you're uh, playing at NHL hot. rink. That's great. Yeah. You're playing at NHL facility. That's fantastic. However, all of our rinks are 200 by 85. It doesn't yeah. matter what you put around it. Like Vark said, we can play on a pond. It doesn't matter. What is the best for these kids to get the experience, truthfully, on their way out? I mean, yeah. Executive Director I, Doug Ute even said to us, they looked at these football stadiums that hold 20,000 people and they get 9,000 and it's like nobody's there. He's like, we'd love to move it to a 12,000 person stadium so it looks packed. You know, and I, I'm, not, I'm not putting words into his mouth. He said that earlier today. And, and so then why wouldn't we do that with hockey? Why wouldn't we put – I mean, we get – on an average of a championship game, I was looking at it earlier. We get in about an average of about 2,000 people, mm. 2,200 people to go to each game, a championship game. Put 2,200 people in the Cavelli Center, BG. Huntington, Bowling Green, Miami, mm. whatever it may be, Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's, it, it, you want to talk about, you said reinventing the wheel going back to Columbus. Well, reinvent the wheel. Years ago, it went from Brooklyn to BG. Yeah. Every other year. A a 7 o'clock face-off on a Saturday night in a more intimate building like that and a 4 o'clock Division II championship game with two schools Mm -hmm. that never had a chance to play for anything. It's not just just more exciting. It's it's more exciting because it's louder and you're you're, you're more in the moment with the fans and it feels like a, a... it feels like the fans are right there with you in the game, but it's also more prescient in the sense that like these guys are, all of our players are smart enough to know that they're long shot, way long shot to ever play in the NHL, but they could potentially take a gap year and make a division one team. Mm-hmm. They could go play for Ohio state. They could go play for Miami. I mean, it's still a long shot, but they, but that's more attainable for them. 
Yes. I mean, to go up and play for the Phantoms up at, in yeah. Youngstown, right? Like, I mean, like that's that's more uh, that that's their track. That's what they're trying to do. And so, you know, to play in those arenas, uh, sure, it's great. NHL rank, great. But but like you said, we're we're at the mercy of you know their schedule, their their whims. You know, I mean, obviously. Uh, Stinger has a thing for barbs because he wanted him in his locker room, but but otherwise, <laughs> right? I mean, you know, I mean, these guys want to go. They want to go be great you know, fun. Division great one fun. is not that far off. I mean, sure, it, it it's not that it's not attainable for ninety nine percent of them, but but still, like that's there's something there, and and to have the the fans right on top of you and all that excitement, it it really feeds the energy of the game, and, and I would agree that. That that's the type of venue that could be more uh, conducive to to a really exciting Final Four. So every week, uh, Lev, uh, Danny Humphrey, and Scott and I get this awesome platform to talk hockey with all different levels of people on this podcast. And and I think we really kind of dropped the ball here, Scott, because we probably should have done this live in person Friday night in Columbus over a couple beverages is what we probably should have done. And we should have went to Hamish's house and done this. Yeah, right. Yeah, you know? um, yeah we could talk to men. Yeah, so, we could have yeah. talked to men. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You, got a big, you got a big game tomorrow. Yeah. No, 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 Hamish, one more drink. One more drink. Yeah, come on, come keep, on. You're not gonna, uh, trust me. Uh, you, keep you'd see me. Be, keep feeding I'd be the biggest. I'd be the best bartender that night. Trust me. Yeah. Trust me. Right. Hamish, you ran out of booze. Don't worry, I'll go get some more. I got it. All good. I got yeah. some in my trunk. I'm ready to go. Yeah. <laughs> 3.30. We'll be fine. Yeah. And no, I, I don't, well, listen, I'm going to wake up at your house. We'll do like uh, mimosas. I'll, I'll be pouring them all day for you, man. Kegs and eggs and hamishes. Let's roll. There you there go. We go. But we get, Love we, it. Get, we get this opportunity to speak with a, a great guys as we did tonight. So, um, again, we thank you guys uh, from this podcast to coming on and, and – you know, being one of the four to be able to spend this special weekend with you three guys. Um, it means a lot. Uh, like you said, Chris, earlier, you know, I also miss those times in the hallway of just, you know, catching up with you guys and mucking it up and, and we'll, we'll get there soon. Uh, but I look forward to, you know, spending one day, two days, whatever it may be uh, down in Columbus with you three gentlemen. So congratulations, you guys. And thank you for taking the time out tonight uh, to do this podcast with us. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks for everything. Yeah, congratulations what, what on not, not just getting through the season, but excelling and winning a district championship. And good luck to everybody. Yeah, good luck to everybody. Yeah, good, good luck, luck everybody. And uh, everybody have a safe trip. And I suppose, like everything, this is a this is a year first in a yeah. lot of ways. And they just keep, you know, they seem to just keep on coming. So. Uh, yeah, best of luck to everybody. Absolutely. And Hamish, I'll see you Friday night at your house. That very good. I'll be waiting. I'll be waiting. No, congratulations, everybody. And and, and I, I feel like, you know, if you if you have any problems at the ice house, you come find me because yeah. we're there every day. We can we can make things happen for you. So I'll make sure you're in the room room closet and yeah. over in the ref, over in the ref room. Right. Yeah, right. That's why right. that <laughs> That's the reason why they got to clear the whole rink out so we got them to dress. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I can see how this is going to go already for me at three thirty yeah. game. I can see where this is going to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, good luck to Thanks, all. Guys. Oh, appreciate all right. it. Thank good you. Good night, right, guys. Guys, thanks good for night. being on. Appreciate it. 
The third period of this episode of the Ohio Hockey Digest On Air podcast is brought to you by the United States Premier Hockey League. The 2021 USPHL NCDC Combines are set to take place in Detroit, Michigan, April 23rd and 24th, and Chicago, Illinois, May 14th and 15th. Players born between January 1st, 2001 and December 31st, 2005 will be eligible. Limited openings available for all positions. The USPHL and its tuition-free division, the NCDC, are providing an unparalleled comprehensive on and off ice recruiting opportunity for players from throughout the United States. More than 150 players committed to college hockey over the 2019-2020 NCDC season alone. And there are currently over 50 Division I committed players skating in the NCDC. Register at www.usphl.com forward slash combines. Well, guys, what an unbelievable, exciting show we had. Um, First of all, we got to speak with somebody that we've wanted to talk to for a while, just on getting some clarification on, on, uh, you know, not not how the Ohio High School Athletic Association operates, but just like some of the decisions and and why. And, and, you know, we did get some answers, uh, but I I know there's some unclear decisions and unclear answers. That's going to be normal. But, you know, for Doug Ute to come out and speak with us uh, today was was huge for our show, but also huge for our listeners so that our listeners can understand some of the decisions that were being made. So I, I thought that was a great talk. I think it was a great start. I think that uh, Doug Ute was very open to the conversation. I know there's a lot that <clears throat> I guess he couldn't answer yet because he doesn't have the information. But the fact of what he was able to answer, he did. Um, I know that I have more questions than, than, than I guess, than he fully answered, but it was a great start. And, and, and as you said, Sully, we're very fortunate that he was able to come on and discuss this. Little transparency goes a long way. I think a lot of people just, uh, you know, didn't really know what the, what all the rules are or what, I mean, if it's really 250 teams before you can split, I mean, then we have our answer there. But, yeah, yeah, but, uh, but there's got to be, there's got to be, there's, name, there's ways name, around. Name, name another sport in our state. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this research tomorrow. Name another sport. Uh, I mean, lacrosse. I think is all Division One. It's a newer sport. We've been doing this since 1974. Yeah. They yeah. know that we're not gonna get to 215. Right. But I think, uh, and if that's a hard no. We're not going to do it. There's, you know, that okay. Plan B is just not everybody participates in the district tournaments. Or you give them the option. Qualification, and then the other teams, like I said, that and we're going to get Greg Gutterman from Beaver Creek on here in a couple of weeks. Don't go, don't go play in the district tournament. Why? Why would you? Right. Go to an invitational thing. Yep. Get all the other teams at the same level. Get them together and do your own thing. And then maybe maybe they replicate what they're doing. I think they played theirs in Dayton replicate that in the other regions and then have the winners of those meet somewhere uh, to play for a, even if it's an unofficial division two state championship, you know? Yeah. But I think, you know, that, and, and just, you know, going back to having Doug on, it was great that he came on. And I think, like I said, a little transparency goes a long way because if you're not hearing any answers from anybody that I hear it a lot, Oh, the OHSA doesn't care about hockey, this and that, um, you know, he didn't have to come on. He didn't have to. He knew what we were going to ask him about. And, you know, it, like you said, it's a good start. 
is a starting yeah, yeah, point. Yeah. Let's okay. What? Well, it's not just a no. It's what's the next step? What are the hurdles? And what can we start working on to try to make it better? Then we had the chance to talk with uh, the remaining high school hockey coaches uh, that are going down to the Final Four this this weekend. We had a chance to talk with Chris Varga from Toledo St. Francis, Hamish Baird from Upper Arlington, Pete Cleary from Walsh Jesuit, uh, and then we had the St. Edwards representation here as well. And that was, you know, I said it before we hung up. You know, we're, you know, I'm 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 so fortunate and 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 that I get to go to the Final Four as a head coach. Uh, and I wouldn't want to do it going down there with, with guys like that. This, these guys are great guys. We do it for the same reason. You know, so, there's some coaches that, you know, I'll be honest with you that, that don't do it for the right reasons. And, and I, 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 I can't wait win or lose, uh, my first game, the whatever doesn't matter. I know I'm down there with four good guys that are in the same, in the same mental uh, space that I am. And, uh, that was a great conversation. Got to pick their brains a little bit. Uh, had a little fun with it. I think we'd still drop the ball. We probably should have done it Friday night down there, but whatever. (laughs) One of the things that that stuck out to me as a bystander of that conversation was that the respect level. And I think the respect level of the four coaches that are going is paramount to growing our game, to showing a, a, a good example for the players. Because if, if you're going to uh, game such as this magnitude and you don't like each other, well, you're going to act like jackasses. Let's be honest. The respect level that was shown, the the camaraderie that was shown, the fact that you guys all were, you know, hoping, as, as Chris Vargas said, if we're going to lose, I, I, I'm happy I'm losing to you guys. And, and that speaks volumes to what we have in our game. And I know there's other coaches that, that aren't fortunate to be in this position as these four, but you know, our, our game is a great game. Our game is full of great people. And the four guys we had on today just exemplify that. And that was, I, I greatly, I, I know I've said this damn near all 44 episodes. I greatly enjoyed that conversation. Yeah. Well, hey, thanks for listening. Uh, join us next week, episode 45. Continuing to grow the game as best as we can. This is On Air, the Ohio Hockey Digest podcast. the flame where the sea